Shima Dunn, ladies, gents, members, welcome to Warrior Death Show's second stream. We're here to cover the final four episodes of Suritama, and they are they're quite something, let's put it that way. Uh, we've got plenty to go through, plenty to cover today. <clears throat> Joining me, of course, are my usual colleague and, of course, stalwart anime compatriot. He's Saul. He might not be a doctor, though. He is, of course, the Saul Doctor. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing uh, fabulous out there, friends, and are, you know, as safe and healthy as possible. Uh, happy Friday. You know, it feels weird, guys, to, like, be coming to the end of this. Like, it feels, like, really soon that... Yeah, I mean, because the, the way we're doing these now, you know, we will talk about, like, episodes in chunks. And I don't know. It feels almost wrong to be saying goodbye to all of our boys and gals I in, uh, in Enoshima. Much, much like in the show, we all have to move on. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, we all leave happy and contented, though, as well, which is which is key. Um, so, of course, we've got Doc joining us. But you might have noticed that we're a, we're a trio today. Uh, we are joined uh, once again by someone who's been with us previously for Franks, something she never talks about anymore, with good reason. And God, has been with I us also for... trying to forget that show <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, and there's also been with us for something that we do still like to talk about, which is Sarah Zamai. Uh, I'd very much like to welcome back uh, eSports Journalist of the Year 2020, Emily Rand! Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, sorry, Hooray. I'm really embarrassed when anyone says anything not negative about me. Oh, look, you, you got the award. It's there on your, on your unit. It's, it's real, you know. The best part is the sticker here that you can't read, but it says poggers. Excellent. Excellent. Just just don't pawn it off just yet, by the way, you know. Keep keep all that for a little while. So, um, this being, of course, our second stream format, just to give you all a bit of a heads up in case you're new to it, maybe catch you on the free to wear. What do we do here? Well, normally we would go through a long plot summary. We know we'd do riffs, asides, jokes, comments, banter, all that usual stuff. But second stream cuts out all the fat. It's a lean format. We just simply talk about talking points and we add in context as we go. So we will, of course, give you information on what happens in the show. We're not going to speak about things in the vacuum like, hey, do you remember when Acura did that? And I'm, I'm always like, what the hell is he talking about? I've got no bloody clue. What you I mean, I, could he be referring to? I do that. So sorry, I'll hold my hands up and apologize in advance for the non sequitur parts of this episode. It's fine. The, the things we're going to be apologizing for after this episode are going to be the many fish-related puns that are going to happen, you know? <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, I'm I'm very glad to see, like, you know, that Yuki wasn't the only sole survivor there. Sorry, I'm getting that one out early. God. Um... <laughs> yeah, Can... you can hate me all, hate me all you want. <laughs> Catherine says hi in the chat to Emily and us. I think she might have left already after that, so... Well, she clearly wasn't. No, I'm, I can't. I'll stop myself. Stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Christ on my. Anyway, no. Uh, so yes, we're going to go through that. We also, of course, have patron questions, uh, which we'll be covering in due course. But first and foremost, uh, because we have Emily joining us today, we just thought it'd be uh, good to introduce her, or get to introduce herself rather to us, and just also <clears throat> uh, offer her thoughts on the show thus far, given that she's not been with us for the previous episode. So, Emily, I'll hand over the floor to you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh. Oh god, I don't want to talk about myself, but I can talk about how much I love 
Tsukitama. That's um, fine. So for people that don't know, uh, I'm actually a huge uh, Kenji Nakamura fan. Um, I really like uh, pretty much everything he's done that I've seen. Um, even the incredibly flawed things he's done, like his <laughs> seed, I think is the most the most flawed thing that I've seen him do. Um, I don't think he's a director that really does anything without really wanting to say something very specific, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't necessarily succeed at the execution of saying or framing that thing. Um, yeah, I so obviously. Um, when the show came out, uh, I actually didn't know who he was, and hmm. this was kind of my first introduction. And then I went back and watched his other his other stuff. So, um, so uh, including Mononoke, oh, which, yeah. is, which is probably I think the thing that most people like most people's introduction to him would have been that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like obsessed with. Gotcha crowds and gotcha my crowds insight and have blogged like way too much. I remember this era of for me in in full bloom the the gotcha crowds era, it's a prolific stretch for you. It's really good it stuff. Was, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. So can you? That still yeah. speaks to the quality of the work though. That you can engage on so much to be able to draw so much out of it. Though. I have a couple questions since you rather than I brought up C. Um, can you say without looking? <laughs> At the Wikipedia, the subtitle of C. <laughs> no. Oh God! You said what it is? I, I don't. No, because my friend made that terrible name generator that <laughs> that reshuffles everything in the title. <laughs> I think it's just it's just like C money of soul and possibility control, right? Right. Uh, all those words yes. are in there. I don't know if that's the right order to be on to, to be honest. Yeah. With you. Okay. So, so, is there a colon? So a friend of mine. <laughs> is there a dollar sign? I, I think there is. <laughs> a friend of mine made one of those. Uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? That uh, that th- thing that basically. Oh, Shinodash. Uh, Sharing. Yeah. yeah, I was going to call yes. it Sharing. <laughs> he made a, he made a thing that literally just like recycles all of the words in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, so now I don't even know what the actual title is. Second question is. Um, I don't know how long has it been since we're not here to talk about C, but I just need to, like, so you like C. Let's talk as little about C. So you, you, you enjoyed C? Uh, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it's, like, the worst thing I've seen him do. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting by like idea. A pretty, yeah, by a pretty significant margin, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think it's definitely, again, like, I, I think I brought up I brought up C because I think it's his biggest failure. Sure, in terms the range. Of, uh, yeah, it's a self-grading anime. Um, I think there's a lot of things in C that you see come to fruition uh, later on. Like you, you see a lot of things that he really does want to talk about in C that come up again in Gotcha My hmm. Crowds, but I think. Crowds does such a better job of talking about those things. And especially with, I think I'd be, uh, and, and I've been, I just started rewatching it actually. Um, and I was really afraid to, uh, because I, there's a lot of stuff in Gatchaman crowds that ended up being incredibly prescient. And I was afraid that it wouldn't hold up, uh, in a particularly favorable light because of how, 
optimistic it was about everything. Um, hmm. But I do think that the addition of Insight, the second season, actually course corrects some of the things that would have been a problem now uh, in, in the first season. So um, I think C is like a prototype, uh, kind of a prototype of that. Um, I think everyone looks at the concept and they're like, conceptually, this is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a, this, this, what, like global financial crisis and mm -hmm. there's all sorts of things happening and, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, like we'll give you all this money, but you're, you have to like tr barter away your future. So like, it's a great like setup. Like stocks right? are, uh, stocks are Pokemon, basically. They yeah, you get them exactly. and they, they battle Let's see, it out. I choose yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. And this, this um, came not like, and, it's sort of kind of around the same time, I feel like as, um. Eden of the East, which is a similar, like, here's all this money, yes. save Japan with the tech available to you. Was it the same year, actually? Hang on. I think, I think Eden of the East was, was before the East. that, like, uh, by a I bit. I think Eden of the East was 2010. Yeah, yeah. or 09, or something 20, like that. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Eden Fair. of the East actually did a, a better job. Uh, not a great i mean even in the east i think is a little bit different in that it deals a lot more with like interpersonal relationships and that kind of post graduate struggle a yeah. lot uh mm. a lot better um because it keeps it pretty tightly focused on the core relationships of the cast rather than like there's like the macro play and then there's the micro play of the relationships mm. and i think you have to have that micro play in order for something to be successful in the macro sense sure a lot of the mm. time um i think c really fails at that actually <laughs> <laughs> i did not care about any oh god no Sorry. no i i have i've never <laughs> seen c the muddy soul beginning control word salad thing sounds, sounds of your call. accurate accurate that was a, that was a good attempt on my part <laughs> so i've never actually watched it um but i've never seen it and i feel almost like now i have to watch it some point as a point of curiosity this is the point where you both should step in and say no what are you thinking you lunatic why would you do this to yourself <laughs> well i think i think it's not go ahead go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna say it's not like a slog it's not gonna make you like super angry either which is probably even a further knock against it because it's just mildly disappointing. Ah, uh, tepid, yeah. Doesn't really draw a lot of like passionate discourse as, as much as we've spent a lot of time talking about it. Actually, um, I mean, I remember I think, it annoying I me a lot. I don't remember why. It's been a long time, but yeah, same. Actually, like I remember just being like, "Ugh, this is like really disappointing for what it's set up as." Um, mm. But again, I think if you're interested in like his his oeuvre, you know, uh, mm. you might want to watch it. If you're just like, wow, I really like things that I've seen Kenji Nakamura do thus far, um, and I want to see more of his thought process. Mm -hmm. That's a good reason to watch it. That's actually, honestly, at this point, the only reason. Very I've much the only bad, bad like, reason. Because, like, yeah, like, like, just if you're really interested in this director, mm -hmm. maybe watch this because it's like a prototype of better things he does later down the road. Yeah, and there's there's oh, plenty sure. of other like good stuff to work through before you get there, before you scrape the 
the bottom of the yeah. sea barrel. Like, you know, you got, uh, like you mentioned, Mononoke and the thing that Mononoke spun off from the Ayak. Is it Ayashi or Ayakashi? I can never remember. Ayakashi horror stories. And you got like um, a show that we covered as well. Um, I can never. It's this trapeze slash Kuso Kuchu Bronco slash Welcome to Irabu's Office. I've seen it titled as well. Like that's really kind of out there. Cool thing that he did. Um, And Gatchaman. Also, I would I would think you should watch. It's a shame that like that. It's like after C, they were like, "No, keep going." But then after after Gotcha Man, they're like, "No, mm-mm. we got you." Now's where you stop. Do you know what what he's you up were, to? You're a little bit too on the nose here. <laughs> um, I mean, I I have no idea actually. I wish that he did more stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that I know that his history is that he used to be an animator, um, and then he got tendonitis. Uh, right. Um, right. And I don't know, like, I never know. I mean, obviously, directorial stuff is is different as a series director, but I assume that you still have to do, a, I mean, a, a bare minimum amount of, like, storyboarding and stuff. I, I don't know. Like, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I have no idea what he's up to. Um, I remember tweeting something about it. And Kevin responded like, "But this is like over a year ago." Mm-hmm. Be like, he might be working on something, and but it was like, "Oh, I kind stuff. of remember that interaction mm-hmm. as well." But like, yeah, it's uh, nothing. Yeah. Nothing came. But it was like it was like really vague. Like it was even less vague than Ikuhara coming out and saying, "Yes, I am working on something for the future." Like we already know he has things might be happening, right. maybe yeah. possibly. Yeah. Well, like he's actually come out and said, "I do have another project that I am starting to work on now," and and he will do that typically you know, start saying, like, I'm working on etc. Like, the preview work for Yurikuma Arashi came out almost immediately after Penguin Drum, and they called it, like, Penguin Bear. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the, the starting stuff for Sada's Mai came out a lot earlier than when the show came out, so Ikuhara will tend to announce it. But, yeah, I have no idea what Nakamura's up to right now. Hmm. It's been the better part of a, a decade. But but we were about to, I think you were going to transition us to a show. You know, Emily said that uh, C doesn't really succeed in the micro, so you don't care about the macro. Direct opposite for this show well, that we're about to talk about, which yes. uh, oh is my, is oh my, my most favorite, I think. They're all good boys. They're all such yeah. good boys. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very sorry to say that we're going to go to Patreon questions in a bit. You may have to choose from your children. Emily. Oh, sweet I'm God. So sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's like I, I know. K-pop groups. Oh, I know. Which one of your fingers do you want to chop off? Like Man. this is horrible. It's horrible. But we'll we'll get to that soon enough. So yes, uh, this is the part of the show where we answer patron questions. If you yourself would like to become a patron of Warrior Death Show, uh, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash Warrior Death Show. It's three dollars to be on the second stream tier, which will allow you access to this. Um, one thing to note is because we are actually now concluding Storytama, we will soon, sometime on or after the Christmas holidays, uh, actually put to the polls what show you want us to cover next with second stream could be a currently airing thing in uh, 2021 uh, spring season it's gonna be winter Ooh, winter is coming i can't believe i just said that at what point in the year it is uh, it's that whatever's coming next basically gets picked from that or it could be something older like Suritama. Uh, and you get other benefits you have to join our discord a nice little community coming in together here you know all awesome people plenty of good stuff to check out so do take mm-hmm. a look um 
and of course being part of the Patreon also allows you to ask questions of which we have a few from some people today. So I'm going to go through those now. So uh, we have uh, a couple of questions here from Beware Rika or Beware yes. I don't know Be-Werica, how to pronounce I it. Think. I'm sh- Beware Okay. Shouts to you. Uh, the first question is is a loaded one because oh boy, it's going to go into a big talking point for me. Uh, is what do you think of Acura now after episode nine onwards? Oh, <laughs> um, I'm going to lead in very quickly just to say, like, just for Emily's sake here, that in case she's not heard both our podcasts, like one of the very mild criticisms is that um, I thought Acura was underrepresented in terms of his involvement in the earlier episodes. I thought... I'm not saying how he was doing was bad or he didn't have enough to do. I'm just saying, like, the the lion's share of the screen time and our investment as an audience was indeed in Yuki, Haru, and Natsuki. Natsuki particularly towards the middle part. Uh, And then I was like, we'll get get round to Acura eventually. And we got round to him. We got round to him in a big way. Holy crap. Um, So... My opinion on that is massively U-turn, but I will actually open up the floor to Emily first just to offer her thoughts on Acura's U-turn on this. Not U-turn, just uh, his change of character and how he's progressed in these final episodes. So this kind of dovetails into another question that I know we're going to be asked uh, later because I peeked at what the questions were in the the chat, uh, in the the Discord. Um, So I'll try to hold off on doing, like, the full critique of his character. Um, But... Yeah, he's he's saved for last. I think if you go back and rewatch it, you can see a few of the hints of who he is. Um, but because they kind of want him to be this mysterious figure for so long, he kind of, you know, gets played off as like, I'm watching you. And the part of his character that desperately wants to be included doesn't really start coming through, I think, until... That first, um, and I know this is before the main bulk of episodes that we're talking about, but that first time when he goes out on the boat and Yuki is mm-hmm. learning, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the ins and outs of the boat and stuff, and and they're just like, "Why are you here, dressed in this full fishing gear, man? <laughs> like it's ninety degrees outside. Like what are you doing?" And he's just like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't really want to be here, you know." Like, right. uh, uh, you get that kind of like he is doing this as part of a job, but he also desperately, desperately just wants to be included um, and and be a part of something. And I think that ends up really, really shining towards the end. And one of the things that I think is, uh, I think this is, as much as I love Gatchaman Crowds, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and I've talked about that elsewhere, I think this is by far Nakamura's tightest work. It's his most complete from start to finish, almost near-perfect book ending. Um, and Akira finds a very specific place and role in the main plot and also in the in the group itself, which is really cool. I think it comes slightly too late uh, because you don't really, really start caring about his character outside of just being like, he has a funny duck partner. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tapioca the best and, I, and who like who like is hinted at calling him out on his shit um which is i'm not having fun tapioca and then the tapioca's like, yeah like, i'm not having fun and tapioca's like bullshit uh, i was so i was really <laughs> concerned my dude um, i was really concerned at the the end i think it was episode 11 maybe when 
tapioca began to do the Inoshima dance. I was like, no, he he and got him, but he was just doing. He was just singing the song to like uh, lull the the alien to Ura Ura. I guess he ended up being called uh, to to lull him into being easier to catch. But no, I was don't don't you don't mind control tapioca. We have a, we'll have a big problem. <laughs> oh no! Don't do, do not do not. So, I, I agree 100% with what you said there, Emily. Um, what I found really fascinating, though, was also his role uh, within Duck, which I still... Yes. I mean, God. Duck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not even an acronym. It's just Duck. I love Duck so much. I can't... Like it's, yeah, it's like, it's like this, yes. I, I, I can't do it. I should have practiced Something beforehand. Like I have a giant mirror. Oh, God. I'll pop... I'll and you, pop like, two discs you sort of hold it, now. like... And then when you coo at the end, that's when you pop it into place. That's a duck. What, what I love, by the way, uh, just 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 as a small aside, he does that in front of Yuki for the first time when he reveals his duck agent, and there's just this dead silence pause. I love looks, that they didn't Yuki cut away. In. We get this long shot. And honestly, the only thing missing from that was tumbleweed. I know because <laughs> it was just crazy. so good. Um, but yeah, what's interesting is. Um, I discussed in the previous episodes that we did about the idea of JFX or Araru being this, like, uh, metaphor for anxieties, like, one solution to anxiety, even though it's a very much undesired one, which is, don't think, you know, so we'll do the thinking for you, that kind of thing, you know? Um, it's, you know, if it's actually positioned as a perfect enemy for Yuki specifically, because Yuki's, of course, always been about fighting his anxiety, and in theory, you know, like, he would, what JFX offers, which is, I'll just... I'll take the ranger, I'll take the wheel, you know, you you do what, you don't have to worry anymore, uh, would be appealing to. And so then we have Duck, and what I find really fascinating is that Duck also kind of represents a similar thing, which is rigid rules and authority. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't associate with aliens, period. You take, you know, we have rules, in fact, one of them is rule 11, you know, we don't, we don't associate yeah. with aliens. You take orders from us, you're not allowed to think, uh, you know, they are not actually so different from JFX in the end, just that, you know, they're instead more a bureaucracy and rules-based organization rather than out-and-out mind control, as we see in um, from JFX and themselves. They're, um, and what they're I find... fashion pioneers Sorry. as well. Just don't, oh, don't forget that fact. D- <laughs> I'll get I'll get, I'll get, get to that. I'll get that girl loves his colors. He sure does. God. And I, I, I don't think it's... Yeah, it's it's Great. so apparent in this, and then it's so apparent later in Gotchaman Crowds, which follows this, because mm-hmm. there's just so many modern uh, art references in that show. So, can, can I add, by the way, there's something really funny and it almost it reminded me for some reason of Stanley Kubrick's uh, Doctor Strange when they have that infamous line of "Gentlemen, there's no fighting in the war room." where you've got these guys in these ridiculous Teletubby-like outfits <laughs> that are yellow, and they squeak when the, they walk like <laughs> rubber <dogs>. ducks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're they, literally they, rubber ducks. They're and they're literally saying, uh, excuse me, ladies, citizens of Hiroshima, there are aliens around. Please evacuate. <laughs> look at you guys. You literally look like you stepped off one of the ships from Pikmin. For yeah. God's sake. The big the, the um, blow dryers or whatever. And God. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're so good. It's, it's madness. Uh, but what I really like about that is Akira's like, journey to you know, deciding that, hey, uh, this rigid way of thinking... I'm not with that. I want to be with my friends. I want to be a part of the group. I want to be accepted. I want to be able to, you know, be my own person. Uh, is 
shown through that and we get lovely little things that help accentuate and build up like for example uh for the most part he's the only duck member once things really start going downhill who actually we see with a face most of them are just people in the suits like we get to see him like wearing the outfit but we get to see him actually with his face so he has that person it's like almost like half and half even um he's the only one of the rank and file who, who really becomes like you know his own person um, and then also Duck's leader, who I don't know if she has a name or not. Um, I didn't catch it, unfortunately. I don't think that they um, said it, but I'm gonna look. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna look on my anime list and see. If it turns out to be Quack or something like that, I'm gonna walk off this podcast. I don't think I'll be ready for that, <laughs> Mrs. Webb. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Fowl or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, she. She initially, of course, is like, Akira, you will follow orders. I'm going to rescind your, oh, uh, you know, uh, your... Me- well, oh, well, I don't... This is... Just, they're simply listed as uh, Joshi, which is, I guess, boss. So, no no, no <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, boss. Their name so, is boss. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, so she like says to him, "Okay, we're going to revoke your membership in Duck. But, you know, you you, you must follow us." But eventually, she in turn actually is affected by his uh, rebellion, if you want to call it, his assertion of his own independence, uh, him going into this area of uncertainty uh, that breaking away from his orders fall- allows him to have. Uh, and she in turn then supports him and lets and allows herself a little bit of uncertainty, and that in turn is what ultimately saves the day because she doesn't end up doing anything like, you know, firing the missiles at them. Uh, and that repeating both, uh, like, elements of allow uncertainty into your life is is for, it's at the forefront of a lot of moments in these episodes, uh, particularly with the ending, which I thought was a work of genius, in my opinion. Like, I had a very, I had a very strong idea of how I thought this show was going to end and what particularly would happen to JFX. And then... What actually happened in the ending, which I'll save for later, I was like, well, this is why I don't write. This is why I don't write shows, because there are people smarter than me that actually know how good it is. I thought it was great. Uh, But yeah, uh, I really, really liked Acura's development in these episodes. It really made up for the lost time, in my opinion. I do agree with Emily, though, that I think they would have been nice to try and spread out a bit more over the course of the episodes so we got more to. But as you did say, though, it's a tight script, and I think it would have been very difficult for them to move it around too much so i'm overall happy with it and i thought that it really culminated very well for him in the end yeah i mean so a lot a couple different things i want to comment on that you guys have brought up and in terms of like how tightly it's written i think along with uh nakamura kenji um ono toshia we should credit the the head writer uh mm-hmm. like mm. um and i think we've we've spoken about them before but like if you look at at ono's cv it's just like even the weak things on it are are really pretty strong and have some some ardent fans. Like, you know, uh, we've got uh, a couple of Nakamura things, uh, Suditama, of course, and then Gotchman Crowds and Gotchman Crowds Insight, serious composition for that. Uh, the Promise Neverland, um, and they're back they're back Ooh. on board for Neverland Two, um, Sweet Precure. And uh, also, interestingly enough, uh, the perfect insider, which I think we I brought up the mm-hmm. last time we we talked about uh, Ono on this this show, and that's a, like a real interesting show. I'd like to revisit and watch all at once rather than as it came out because I remember when it aired, I had some issues with it, but I remember that it was still really interesting. And I think it's the sort of show that like people are still thinking about, even though it. It came out a couple years ago, and it's long enough ago that most things that came out around that time have been forgotten. Um, 
So yeah, so uh, accomplished also, writer here. Land of the Lost. Yep, the thank you. That's I've, oh, I don't know why for yeah yeah. So, that's a big one, right? Which is actually like I think that one is really good to point out because it was uh, and like the Promised Neverland is also an ongoing manga, but it had a very set uh, end point that sure. you could end a first like season with. Yeah. Um, whereas Land of the Lustrous is a bit. Weirder, What's gonna happen? Like, it's a bit more awkward <laughs> because the the I mean I'm not gonna spoil any of the anything from the manga, but it just kind of keeps snowballing off of itself, right? Um, oh yeah, I, I think. Um, sorry. I th- oh no, I was just gonna say I think the book ending in that season as well is really t- like surprisingly tight. Um, yeah. To the point where you are revisiting in the entire opening scene again hmm. at the very end with mm-hmm. the sense that everything has changed um and so that that was actually the thing i wanted to bring up from his cv that i think is probably the most uh relevant yeah similar yeah. like uh De- similar storytelling sorry should go ahead go ahead no i was to say it just gets a lot of accolades to me because i'm a huge fan you of love that show, show. um, um I, I love that show I love that show. It's a real no. I'm not saying <laughs> diamond in the rough. Where are you gonna oh, go? Oh with? God! Stop. No, that's your fault, <laughs> not mine. Um. Well, okay. Let me st- let me steer us back on track. Uh. And I'll talk about uh Yamada here because, uh, I mean, I I end up really, of course, like most people do, I think, really liking him. Um. I mean, I have Yamada fucking owns in all caps in my notes here on episode eleven. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. He. I, it's interesting. So, like, I think, you know, the the fair criticism that, like, him kind of not being as uh, prominent in the early going, um, I, I would like to make a case that it's by design um, insofar as, like, so I think the show, one of the big things about Tsuritama is male intimacy. And I think all the mm-hmm. characters... Um, are uh, are well except for Haru. Haru is like the the sort of gravity that that pulls them all toward one another. But the the other three, um, Yuki, uh, the prince, uh, and uh, and Yamada, Natsuki, and Yamada, all kind of have uh, various reasons why like they're not. Uh, down with male intimacy or they're not like that sort of they're, they're not involved in those kind of relationships you know yuki's super obvious you know he's got like all kinds of anxiety issues and natsuki has family problems and kind of anger issues that are are having him push people away yamana is is interesting because he doesn't seem to have like any kind of uh like emotional issue that's sort of making him push other people away i think he's just sort of like has the pretty kind of typical male like uh relationship to intimacy which is like whatever man like i'm just doing my thing doing my work i'm doing my job like uh i don't really um that's just not friends or kind of whatever uh but like you know, you see him as the show goes on, like change from someone who's giving Yuki shit on the boat to being a guy who says, like, 
I don't care if you throw me out of duck because what I want to defend is just as important and just as as yeah. grand as the earth itself, like the this invaluable, like deep friendship. Um, and so I think he just kind of that's such a powerful yeah. line. I I, I love yeah. that line so much because make no mistake, like the stakes in Suritama, especially at the start of episode nine, which I want to bring up later as a specific talking point, because for how much it struck me the moment it became clear, like how dangerous everything was, it was kind of terrifying. Um, but what I really like about that line that Yamada says there is that, yes, there are those stakes. They do need to be dealt with. The world, or at least certainly a substantial part of Japan, if nothing else, is in immediate danger. But let's bring it down to something that, firstly, is eminently embraceable and no less valuable. It brings it back to the emotional core of the show. Um, I think it's such an amazing line. It's one of two great lines. Uh, the other one being from a taxi driver, <laughs> yes. of course. It's such what a, a bro. It's such a, it's such a great line. Um where he just says, like, you know, friends, friends cost something like, you know, friends don't cost money, but they're with you for life or something yeah. like that. You know, they're what's yeah. important. Who doesn't, yeah. uh, doesn't line, charge Yuki line. the full fare. And then, like, in, yeah. like, a super <laughs> cheesy, but, like, you know, really earnest and heartfelt and good moment, like, when Yuki has to, like, get out of the cab. And then the cab driver, like, gets out and stands in the middle of the street. And it's like, run, Shonen, run, <laughs> You know, it's so good. You got this, it's bro. so good. Um, but I misspoke. I, I know we're not going to talking about Haru yet. But I, I think I, I'm thinking about what I said. I think I might have. I'm going to take back some. So I think Haru also represents, like, a kind of uh, misalignment is not the word I want to use. But, like has has a um his approach to to male friendship and intimacy like is something that needs to be changed because like i mean we see him being like this one that he wants to like take everything on himself because he cares about everyone so much he doesn't want to bother them like and that leads to sort of like i think like a one-sided kind of not really um as as full and rich and healthy as it can be kind of intimacy where it's like the an equal kind of partnership or relationship um and he has to learn to like trust other people uh and not kind of take everything on himself despite like yeah you know outward appearances like he's the most like the one who's like the coolest with male intimacy from the get-go you know because he's uh very extrovert he's lovey-dovey touchy-feely like and it's really great but like he also has to learn to trust other people so anyway but yeah the, the thing well, i think the, yeah the, he starts off he starts off the show like with very one-sided relationships actually mm-hmm. and like he also doesn't understand the concept of agency and even mm-hmm. that even comes back up um in the like as late as the final episode or i guess it's the second because like the second to the penultimate and the final episode kind of like run into each other right as, yeah like, one major episode um uh, he you kind of run into that where he's just like i'm gonna do this all myself and the other three are like no you're effing not gonna do that <laughs> um actually yeah. uh and and we found out your role and it's this right um which we'll talk about later i'm sure but uh, yeah. To bring it back to Akita, I think his main thing is that uh, he, as you guys have already mentioned, because he's in this like kind of like rigid bureaucracy, uh, he is, I guess, the most like 
quote-unquote normal one from from the outside in terms of like how he interacts with his co-workers and stuff but if you notice he's not really friends with them he seems to be significantly younger than them too um or maybe mm. not significantly but by at least like a few years which would give them mean, like oh, a natural age of i age hierarchy mm-hmm. over the over him yeah. um mm. and then his best friend is a duck yeah like yeah. an actual duck yeah i mean tapioca's funny in 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 their own right but they are in the show for a reason which is to show that yeah Acura only really can converse. Like, I mean, that's the only person up until a point who actually, person for lack of a better word, who challenges him on his actions. Yes. You know, when, in the previous episodes, like when, you know, Tapioca's like, look, I, I, I do like to, I really like to imagine that like, if you subtitle Tapioca's lines, <laughs> that they would be like really like high, perfect English, like very formal. Like, oh dear, no, Chapping, you've got seven spots of bother there. I think you might actually want to go and uh, spend time with your friends. What do you mean for Gosh, what, do you, what, what do you mean for king and country? What do you mean for king and country? Doesn't matter, you know that kind of thing. Uh, okay, uh, we'll move on to our next question then. Uh, this is also from Biwerica. Uh Favorite moment in the show? Uh, oh oh Jesus! Don't again. Don't make me pick from. This is difficult. I think though, I will say this. Um, I think one of my favorite moments uh, that I'll definitely pick out is there's something about shows that have repeated motifs or mantras. And the mantra of this show, the one I opened this very podcast with is Enoshima Don, the Enoshima bull thing. Like, and it's amazing how, when you look back on that, it was just simply like a way of timing a cast, you know, like here's how you do it. And then it becomes a war cry at the end. Like it becomes <laughs> a, a, a sign of a, like a statement of defiance. Like when they all say that in tandem uh, as they're fishing for JFX in the penultimate episode. Uh, and when they do it every time after that, despite all of the conditions they're in, it's just such a fist pumping moment. It's so, so good. And the thing is it's earned as well. Like we, that mo- that mantra has been reinforced with so many times and then using it like makes it all the more triumphant at that moment. It's such a great little bit. So I'm going to go with, if I can't pick the entire ending sequence, which I, <laughs> yeah, think, I yeah. feel like at some point we're going to break down because there's just so much to unpack from that, like, I don't even know, like, what, 10, 5 to 10 minute, like, fishing sequence in the final episode. Yeah. Um, from, from when they tell... Hadu, what his true role is from when they like figure figure it out right uh to the actual like fishing part um the and this isn't from the episodes that we're talking about either the moment uh in the i believe it's in the first episode yeah it is where he yuki or uh catches a fish for the first time and it has already established that water and drowning is a visible symbol for his anxiety. And they use that, right? They already use it several mm. times when he has to introduce himself in the in the classroom and it, like, overflows with water. And there's this, like, perfect moment visually that sets up the entire rest of the show when he, like, gets a bite on his line and he gets... He's, like, drowning in anxiety because he feels like, uh, I believe he feels like Natsuki is staring at him yeah. on the pier. Mm-hmm. And he has all this pressure because Hadu just kind of shoves him out. He's like, you're going to fish for me. And he's like, what the actual F are you making me do? Um, throws out his line, gets a bite, and is, like, drowning in anxiety. And as soon as he starts to actually fish, he gets yanked out physically <laughs> from the water. And it's just... Like, it's so 
well animated, yeah. first of all. It's such a great, mm-hmm. like, already you're just like, yes! Like, ah, you got it! Yes! Um, it's That's really my good. son! <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. And uh, it, it sets up the rest of the show really well. Um, and it's in the first episode, so... 100%. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely up there. God, you doc, I know that I I don't I I know that you've uh <laughs> you've been beaten yeah. to the punch there. Uh so I hope you got back up. I mean, it's tough it's tough because like so much of what I like about the show is um like seeing how things develop over time. Um gosh. Um I mean, I I really like that moment you talked about. I really love the the end, of course. I mean, I lo- I love when uh, Natsuki and Yuki like hug Haru, at, like Haru's kind of breakthrough, like all that. I mean, it's not like a singular moment; it's kind of a sequence. But I thought that was really beautiful. I thought the Seiyu in particular displayed some really good range. During that, like, I think Quiet Haru, like, I really noticed them this time. Um, mm. uh, I, <laughs> the, um, oh, what are their names? I feel terrible. Uh, the captain is Ayumi, I think. And then the, his, his wife, yeah. his, his, well, the lady who ends up marrying him, like, just how they end up, I thought is really funny. Like, you know, he's telling the cat, like, never get married. Women change once they get married. It's, it's really, like, <laughs> really stupid. And I'm sure it's it's very tongue in cheek. Uh, but uh, that made me laugh. Um, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. Anytime any of the characters is on screen is my favorite moment. Because, <laughs> like, I love, they're great. All, all of it. All they're of so, all of the yeah. Show. They're really good. I mean, it's just terrible answer by me um but uh i don't know just the moment you talked about is really the one that's emily talked about i should say there are two u's i should i can't just do the u because not just talking to shatan uh the moment emily talked about like that's the one that's probably stuck with me the most um because i watched the show when it aired in 2012 and then you know a few times over the years and the one thing i remember even when it's been like a number of years since I watched and a lot of the stuff I forget um, the details of the plot, you know, everything like that. But uh, y- yeah, Yuki getting pulled out of like the cube of water and like just everything it represents metaphorically. And like you said, like the, just the pure visual of it, it's such a powerful image. Mm-hmm. Um, not yeah. quite as powerful as, you know, tapioca, but pretty, pretty powerful. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean when Tapioca's like on the uh, on the speaker of the boat, just got his wings spread and like, yeah, th- we know we know who's really in charge here. We know who's really running this boat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I would invite by the way the chat uh, to post their Indeed. own favorite moments. I reckon we can get some interesting. Yeah, please please do let us know because there's there's just so many. Like, oh, the, I mean we've got the uh, sorry. No, there we go. Doc's got it. When Yuki, I, I talked about this a lot when we did our first show. When Yuki learns to cast, when he drops it in the tiny bucket for the first time, I just got up out of my seat yeah. and was pumping my fists. Like, that's, yeah. And then uh, Natsuki is like jogging and sees him. And like, it's kind of like a breakthrough for him too in that moment. 
because like he's learning to i don't know like have a friendship with another dude and like yeah. he starts crying and screaming and running through the rain like it's just so beautiful that whole sequence oh i i do love that that yeah where he just like because the animation there too is like just like he loses it with happiness yep. like he's so proud but he's mm. he's also proud in a different way where he isn't ready to reveal how happy it makes yeah. him. So he's just like running in the rain by himself and then he has this like crazy smile <laughs> on his face and he starts laughing. So good. It's really good. That yeah. is a really good God, too. Man, yeah. it's yeah. so beautiful. That's, yeah. The, I, I like there's just tons of great individual moments in it. I mean there's there's the funny stuff like, you know, when they're trying when he's trying to deceive the duck uh you know by dancing <laughs> in the subway dancing. and then they spray uh, yeah <laughs> so dumb um, and all, all the nice this is a new symptom example, like, <laughs> they say yeah. uh, no uh, it's not that he could be making no, it up we, no. can't, we can't possibly no. consider that we're, we're not trained to think literally <laughs> we don't get can to can I think. say something about the Enoshima dance uh, like yes they're <laughs> You know, we talked about how you could, yes, Emily will demonstrate the Enoshima dance. Um, this show, you, we've already talked about how tight it is, and that's absolutely true. But there's a different timeline, I think, where there's like there's like underexplored horror potential for like this show. Oh my! Like, and mean, it's it's I mean, crazy that their agency yeah like that's very terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> and like how the um oh, you know uh the nazi's little sister is like running from people and they just keep like more and more people keep dancing and kind of smiling mindlessly and it's like man they've t- like this poor city like it's sort of um one of those cultural like touchstones and things that everybody knows and very important to the community has probably been turned into this awful traumatizing thing. Because, like, the next time people start to do the Enoshima dance in front of her, like, I mean, she's she probably will start crying. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> like, that's rough. awful. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I made the joke on a previous podcast by saying, what is this, like, you know, Shadows Over Innsmouth mm-hmm. or something like that? Right. You know, but the problem is, is that, like, again, when we get to the start of episode nine, and I'll talk to it later, I was just like, oh, oh, dear, yeah. this is bad. Mm. It, and it, but anyway, I'll save okay. that for later. Um, so, next question coming from Buerica. Again, I'm going to really mispronounce that. What surprised you most about this show? God, um... I have one immediately. It's like the... Yeah. Go on, punch it, just punch it. Where it ended up. Because if you, if you look yes. at what it is like at the beginning, like if you can watch it with fresh eyes, sort of not knowing where it goes, it's unbelievable oh God, so how right. it becomes this alien invasion like apocalypse st- like story with some pretty like you know that like i said they don't really dig into it but like there's some kind of terrifying things happening and like really intense sequences um the military <laughs> the, the, the duck vehicle like yeah. for, for all the for as absurd as the duck vehicles look in terms of their color, they do resemble actual modern military hardware, and they then start firing missiles off, and you're like, "This is literally like martial law happening. This is yeah. I mean, uh, at, yeah, this the, is 28 days later happening the, right here. Some shit like that is crazy." The missile gets dropped in the middle of the thank goodness like unpopulated part of the city. It's like, oh my god, 
Like, a missile got dropped in Onoshima in this show. That's kind of, like, I never would have expected. For a show that just seemed like it was going to be a very kind of small, intimate story about, like, family and anxiety and everything. And it, and it still retains that at its heart, right? Like, it never lets that stuff go, despite the scope broadening significantly. Um, and I think that's what surprised me most is, like, not just the how it became, like, this grander thing, but it never, like, kind of lost its original identity and kind of its grip on yeah. what it wanted to do from the outset. I just to... Just to follow your point of that, Doc, as well, what I also really appreciate is I, I mentioned before about how like I felt Acura like needed more time in the earlier part of the show, which again, only a minor sure. can play in the grand scheme of things. But what I think is really worth noting is that in the hands of a different writer, if it would, was done less uh, competently, this sudden expansion of scale to the point where we have literally gone from Yuki must learn how to fish in order just to be more comfortable with himself as a human being to that plus the literal end of the world... I would yeah. think, whoa, this this is this is ham fisted, right. it's crazy, it's bad, it's terrible. Yeah. But it never ever felt jarring, it never felt unearned. Uh indeed, I think the gradual way in which it slowly unveils in the final couple of episodes is to the benefit of how terrifying it mm-hmm. truly is. Again, dancing around that point I'll say for later. But yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um so- I think, uh, I don't know when you want me to go off on that ending sequence. I'm assuming that's going to be later. But I'm going to bring up the thing that's the most surprising to me from, like, a rewatcher's perspective. Because I can kind of only handle it from that at this point. Mm. Uh, So I'll go with, like, what was most surprising to me in rewatching it. Um, And it's that, uh, and maybe it's just because I just started rewatching Gatchaman Crowds as well. Um, It's that, in my mind, I always saw them as kind of like very separate entities because they go about what they do in a very, very different way. Um, Mm. But I think there are a lot more similarities uh, between Subitama and Gatchaman Crowds that I didn't realize uh, until rewatching it now and really placing those things side by side and being like, oh, okay, like it's actually dealing with a lot of very similar things. you know, it still has the the fighting against uh, a top-down uh, societal structure part, uh, even if it comes a lot later on in the show than, um, than you would think. Um, it deals with having a very set idea of, like, the way things should be. It deals with making snap assumptions about what things are and how you can communicate um you know like uh not to bring up like a random hannibal reference but there's that great (laughs) there's that great line in hannibal uh which i'm gonna take out of context but it and and paraphrase really badly but it's basically like there are other means of communication than violence um and that really fits a lot of nakamura's work actually Mm. um Mm. and it's present in this show it's present in Gatchaman Crowds for vast majority of that show. Um, and that was the thing that I think su- surprised me the most is that in this show, which I always gave credit for being incredibly tight and for also making you care like so much about these characters, um, it does have a lot to say about some really prescient things. Um, especially with the whole 
not purpose of the alien invasion aspect, but like everything around that and all the assumptions that are made around that mm. and what what the reality actually is, which is like once you go through the full ending is hilarious. Like once you're actually introduced <laughs> to the alien that they've been searching for this entire time and the the being that they fish out of the water. It's like like you you see that punchline coming because it's bookended. They tell you visually, like, this is what it's gonna be. But still when it happens, like it's just like, oh my god, really? But also that's awesome and also it has a lot to say about the assumptions that we make. Um, when we can't communicate and when we have trouble communicating with people for whatever reason. Um, and so I think in that, in that way, it has a lot more in common with Gotcha Crowds than I initially gave it credit for. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I'll just reiterate my points about being surprised at the, I think again, it was just that opening minute or two of episode nine and one particular shot. Uh, which I'll elaborate on now, and I'll save my point for later, which is there are two gentlemen who are down at the beach, and there are boats literally coming up to the beach, uh, including a giant oil tanker or shipping uh, vessel, you know, and everyone's doing the dance side, the hi no hi no hi no And then these two guys, they're like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, this is a bit strange. Yeah. And then the smallest amount of water just laps past their feet, like laps around their feet, and then they start doing it too. And the moment that happened, I was like, oh... Oh shit! Yeah. With this, like, that's the point where it became crystal. I mean, it it was evident before then that the you know like when we learned, for example, like we discussed what JFX uh, did to Yuki, uh, sorry to Haru, for example. Uh, but this is the point where it became clear, like, no, this is a legitimate uh, world-ending threat, the end of no. human civil, not not human life, but human civilization as we know it. And it just took that one shot, and I was like, oh, and then it expanded on that, but. I'll, of course, again, go and sign more details. If only, if, um, if only we could yeah. really become the dancing Borg as a species. That might be... That might <laughs> be da- I mean, I think it does, such a, is- it does such a great job of being like, this is actually really serious, at, but also, and like horrifying, but also it's not... It's not like... I feel like if it was too traumatizing, it would actually I agree. get in the way yeah. of what it's trying to say um and it yeah. I, I actually like the show threads that needle really really what well. a feat right to yeah. get the tone like pick just pitch perfect yeah uh, and as, as an aside to that emily what you maybe realize as well is that like horror tends to come in like a couple of different forms you've obviously got the visceral gory stuff you've got uh, more psychological and i think this actually to this show's benefit this horror is strictly just in the potential of the threat um because, I mean, you know, people dancing, it doesn't seem too bad when you look at it like that. It's not like, you know, people are dying in the streets or anything like that. It's not like, again, 28 days later, like that. But I think that in some way this is more terrifying because of that existential threat. Um, when you, like, you are left to fill in the blanks for yourself in some of that parts as to what this truly means. Like, when you see, once, like with me, once the implications started unfolding in my head, I was like, Jesus Christ. Not, not good. All right, uh, so that ends our questions from Berarica. So thank you very much uh, for that, Berarica. Hope you've given you some good answers there. Um, our next question comes from Mirror on the Wall. Uh, this is again one of those, unfortunately, Emily and Doc, where we're going to have to pick from our Gosh, children. Who you is guys best are boy? brutal. Bam. Otsuki. No. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> 
because I have, I was talking to a friend about this actually, I have a really soft spot in my heart for uh, characters who seem really like cold <laughs> and standoffish and turn out to be like just incredibly warm and soft. I That is like my... Not my one weakness. I have a lot of weaknesses, but that's one of my my <laughs> huge weaknesses for characters. I absolutely love characters like that. That's and, that's the one that that's the one that hits you for critical damage. And, and yeah, like Nat, Natsuki is just like a really great example of someone who feels a lot. You know, like he really feels a lot for a lot of other people. Um, he hasn't dealt with any of his anger, or emotional issues at the beginning of the show. He's holding on a lot of resentment. He's also using that anger to as an excuse because he is, um, mm -hmm. and, and the show doesn't make this abundantly clear, but it really hints at it. He's afraid of kind of going out on his totally. own um, until, mm -hmm. until, you know, you find out what happens to him, like in the postscript of the show. Um, but, you know, like he, he is afraid of that and it's represented by a lot of things, you know, his crazy hair before he cuts it, um, his like uh fervent like distaste for not fishing with his father mm -hmm. which was initially this thing that they did together um and his transformation throughout the entire show like with these types of characters like the whole like i'm a hard ass but actually i'm not i just have too many feelings i have no idea how to express mm -hmm. them it can actually be done really really badly uh especially when you're dealing with things like uh family issues and toxic masculinity and all yeah. this other stuff um yeah. and natsuki is just done so well mm -hmm. that you really can't help but love him you really can't help but root for him and you also like when he does, he has like a couple of really bad moments. One of them oh specifically yeah. with the whole the whole thing with his sister. Yeah. Um, and he's like an a huge asshole in that moment. And the show does not frame it in any other way but that, right? Like it's like this is not what he's doing is not right. And yeah. I think that's actually so important. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the beauty of that, well, not the beauty of the moment question, but the beauty of what follows is that he genuinely reflects on his mm -hmm. mistake. He offers a sincere and heartfelt apology and reconciles with Sakura and then later on with his father. And I, again, keep forgetting her name because I'm bad like that. What's the name of... Uh... Mariko? Why? Yeah. Mariko. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mariko, yeah. yeah and, and in turn, Mariko, like, and if we even see that where he calls... Uh, his father, dad, like for the first time. Oh, she's wearing she's wearing the bracelet in the end. It's so yeah. There's so much visual bookending in this. It's like God, it's, it's awesome. I know the the bracelets in particular, what they're used yeah. for yeah. in the end as well is great. It's so good. He um. um but anyway, best boy me, Natsuki. <laughs> best boy Natsuki. So we got one. We got one in the Natsuki mm -hmm. column. Uh, I am gonna go with Yuki. Um, good picks. <laughs> they're it, all good picks. Yeah. yeah. It, they're all good. There's no wrong mm -hmm. answer here, really, I suppose. Um, but, like, I think for me, firstly, like, I, I feel like I really wish I'd watched this show when I was much younger. Mm. Um, like, but again, not, not to say it has an effect, emotionally affects me now watching it, even as an adult, um, but, or as an older adult, rather, I mean to say. But, like, I can see a lot of my very, like, high school self in Yuki, like, you know, constantly terrified of being judged, constantly terrified of, like, you know, how people would react, always in flight or flight mode, that kind of thing. And 
while I haven't, you know, um, gotten to the point where I've, say, uh, averted an alien invasion through, uh, you know, a sport, uh, <laughs> there is still time for that, though. I could potentially do that at some point in the future. Um, I will say that I found, not only did I find, like, um, all of his, like, growth really compelling but i love that the show actually then shows him utilize that it doesn't it doesn't like go okay you're better now like he still has his anxiety but also it shows him taking assertive action like for example when he confronts haru in these episodes like after haru tells him i hate you i hate you i hate you like etc like episode one yuki like he'd have heard those lines and he'd be like no he really hates right. me yeah, he hates me no i, I don't but i say like yeah. but no he doesn't he doesn't let himself like think in that kind of you know doomsaying uh kind of way he thinks that you know wait something's amiss here harry would never say that um and, how, and he goes and confronts him i was gonna say how the how he uses the real which becomes like in the beginning is like this crushing anxiety like, yeah. where he just relives everything in his head every single night right um, yeah. and how he uses that in the end to his own benefit to put stuff together is just like, I'd like the yeah. callback to Hotter saying, no, no, he's, he's just thinking about something big and important. Like Keiko had to yeah. tell him that like, it's a gosh, they just bring everything is brought together really he's well. He's a very good boy. He really is. He's, he's a great lad. And I'll talk about the ending as well uh, soon. I prom. I know we can. I, 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 I want to like break it down. <laughs> with the entire- <laughs> so yeah, good. we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it once the Patreon questions are over. But we'll I, break it down. I just want to say, like, um, it, a conventional show, as I say, would have a character arc which starts episode one and ends in episode twelve, and arguably it is still very much ongoing for Yuki. But what we see that I don't think often a lot of shows necessarily do or do very well is we see like the incremental growth paying real dividends for him all the way through. Mm-hmm. Like with the scenes with Natsuki on the boat, for example, when he confronts him over what happens with Sakura, then with you, uh, with uh, Haru here where he confronts him. And then of course the big uh, crowning moment in the ending, the eyes of the world are on us. And again, one amazing line, which I'll discuss in more detail. Later. But yeah, I think that if you've ever gone through an experience like where you felt incredibly nervous, like just with because you're not certain how people react you can't even trust like the words coming out of your own mouth won't be taken to mean that you're an idiot you're a dark you're a moron you name it like i think that you'll find yuki very relatable i think you'll also find him very inspiring as well which is the key mm-hmm. thing yeah so well the advantage of going last is i get to comment on what both of you have said before i give my pick because uh, like will you both well say well, well played, you both say well like d- these chess master great like you bring up this great points very sharp point and i'm like want to respond to them because they're so good um re natsuki um who is not my pick uh one thing i like appreciated this time watching about him is like um i mean he just really has to grow up right even though he seems like the most mature out of uh the high school boys Mm -hmm. um because yamada's like 26 years old or something Something like that, (laughs) despite being in the. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. It's awesome, but like. I'm 26, but I still have to get along. Incredible, incredible. (laughs) But like, it it makes a lot of sense to me that um, something like a death in the family would um, create kind of an uncertainty in a young man to like take a big risk because you've you've learned in a very harsh way like you know 
the the sort of safe foundation that my home life has given me like the world the bigger world like it's a lot more uncertain like anything can happen you know you can get fucked by life just indiscriminately and very quickly and like so of course he kind of is going to retreat into himself and be angry and Mm -hmm. resent you know as an excuse like resent things about his dad and his moving on Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just love that he through the course of the show like he learns that like you know what like yeah i mean it's an uncertain world we live in uh but you still have your friends you can still count on them you can still love and trust other people and like you could kind of draw on their strength to believe in yourself enough to like put yourself out there and take a risk and you can still succeed mm-hmm. you're not guaranteed to be uh to to fail and or and like tragedy's not going to you know absolutely like ruin what what you set out to do forever and always like and love that about Natsuki and his arc this time and Yuki also not my pick but I found him like the most relatable for reasons I've talked about like mm-hmm. as like um a sufferer from like anxiety disorder OCD depression like you know panic attacks are like a thing that I live with and the whole like water visual is it like the the way that it's depicted and the film reel stuff reliving conversations and most still to this day i think eight years later it's like the most kind of evocative and accurate kind of representation of yep. the yeah. phenomenon that happened in your brain when when you're when you're feeling those feelings um and so like i feel seen you know in a way that like i mean maybe like the main character in watamote uh, although, like, again, there's not, like, a one-to-one relationship with me to her or me to Yuki, for that matter. But, like, there's just really deep parts of, like, myself and, like, especially, like you were saying, Shadon, my high school experience that I feel like are represented here. And I think someone who's very cynical about the show could look at Yuki in the way that he develops and be like, man, this is too rosy of a picture for someone with, like, crippling anxiety in the way that he has it. Like, from episodes, you know, 1 to 12, like, he has, like, best friends and becomes, like, moderately well-adjusted and everything like that. But, man, the show just does such a good job with the time it has in making that growth feel organic. Especially, like, the summer that they're working. Like, I feel like, you know, that just, it does an amazing job of showing these little moments and implying the passage of time and growth um, mm-hmm. and you see Yuki kind of slowly learning to crawl before he walks and runs. And like I said last time, like, it's really not uncommon, I think, for, like, teenagers to have, like, um, these, like, really uh, emotional growth spurts, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like, like sort of like punctuated equilibrium the theory of evolution right that you kind of can go along and it's little bits of bread and then suddenly a huge spike and there's like a ton of evolution and growth and same kind of deal i think for teenagers sometimes and so all that to say like i think and a lot of what's happening is in a crisis too it's not like yuki's being asked to have small talk with his his buddies 
for the last couple of episodes. It's like, you know, the rubber is meeting the road and like that, that can, that can like, I don't know, you can sometimes like push aside a lot of worries when you have something to focus on that's really critical. Um, and, and you see in the very end, like small talk is still not like his strong suit, uh, but, but he's, he's changed and grown some. Uh, and it's it's, it's it really sweet. Yeah. It's really sweet. He, he does. No, he's he's good. He like tries. that was like with Urara, ra 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 ra. However many ra's it is, it's just a great job. Um, but my pick, my finally, my end, my long winded answer here. My turn. My pick is Haru. Um, which I can't believe because like I talked about the first episode we did this. Like I could see. Um, me really hating that character if like he was done if they were done in really in a slightly different way like it'd be really off-putting but Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of emotional range even more than i remembered uh with the character and like i really kind of uh can relate to wanting to take on burdens of everybody else and not bother other people um that i'm close to and when like you know, not asking for help and things like that. And just sort of seeing like that representation of like, Hey man, just people in your life. Like they want to help you too. Like they love you also. And mm-hmm. just because you stop like pouring yourself out completely, like they're going to take up their slack too. Um, and it can be more of an even partnership, your, your relationship, like, it's great. It's great, and I love it. And I think he's incredibly yeah. sweet and such fun. Always, always a blast. <laughs> like, um, very innocent kind of character, but not obnoxious. Again, which I think can be hard to pull off. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just he was so much fun. Um, I say he. Yeah. I. That's correct, right? I'm, am I misgendering Haru? Sometimes I said they, but I'm actually not. I'm actually not sure. But uh, to to be safe, I'll no, no, say. To be safe, I'll say that. I say that about the duck head too. Sure, sure, like, totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But no, they're they rule. Um, I mean, they're they're so good and pure and lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So one for everyone except Akira. Oh, who, but we talked about how great he was. Yeah. We, yeah. We had. We, yeah. We had the talking point where all like Akira's great, but no one actually the pick. Oh God. I feel like we've just all done a collective betrayal there, but oh, never mind. Mirror, mirror, right, uh, we mirror have says she batch. picked uh, Yamada because no one else did. So, nice. yay! There you go. It's it's a tie. <laughs> and it's the best kind of tie because yes. everyone wins because everyone's great. I love it. I love it. All right. So next batch, of, uh, next batch of questions comes from Kate Rose. Uh, what thing do you think this show did not do well? Oh God, getting more mm. with the hard ones there. Um, I think so. Suck. I'll start just because I hinted at this earlier. Um, I think this show, again, it's Nakamura's like uh, tightest work. I think it actually makes like very few missteps, uh, but I think almost the entirety of those missteps are around uh, Akita and the the duck organization and how um, I think it was handled about as like. Like, I guess close to as well as it could be, but there are a few yeah. tweaks that you could make early on to hint a little bit more at what the full purpose of 
the their inclusion was. Um, because again, like I think when I'm talking about similarities to his other works, and more specifically Gatchaman Crowds, because I feel like it's the most overt representation of the kind of thing he's been trying to say for years and years and years. Um, it's that the like oppressive nature of a bureaucracy and the expectations that Akira has and, and why he uh, sets himself apart from everyone and the existence of Duck as an organization um, I don't think is like as well plotted as it could have been um, mm -hmm. and I think the vast majority of missteps that the show makes are in struggling to uh, struggling on how to integrate Akira into the show where it's believable that suddenly he goes from looking on the outside in and, and having this really like yeah. palpable longing of I want to be where they are but I can't because of mm. these reasons because I have no you know this duty to this organization that I'm part of that I uh you know like the the whole thing with them with his boss being like I'm I'm counting on you you know like that means a lot to yeah. him you can tell it means a lot to him um, which is why, again, why in the end when the boss uh, doesn't shoot the missiles and is like, I did this because I believed in you, it makes that moment so much more yeah. amazing. Um, I can believe yeah. that the boss but turned think, around. Like, they were, like, yeah. bad for so long. But they have a heart also. They weren't even bad. They're, they're just, yeah, they're just, like, bureaucratic and, and following the rules and stuff. Um which, I mean, you can argue. Is, uh, that's a whole other can of worms. But anyway, I, I do think that uh, I do think that the, the show does struggle a bit to include him in the proceedings as we're getting to know Haru, as we go through the whole thing with Kate, um, as we go through the whole thing with Yuki learning how to fish and Natsuki's arc. And um, it's not Akira's fault that his arc, his narrative arc comes last and also that his narrative arc coincides with the culmination of the main like macro plot um i don't think it mm. takes away from that but i think it does mean that he has to share screen time uh with the main plot in regards to his emotional narrative um yeah so again i'm an idiot i can't tell you how it could have been done better i don't have a i don't have an outline i've got no exactly how you could have done it <laughs> Um, but I nope. do think there is a world where it could have been done a bit better, where you really feel, A, his longing to be a part of them a little bit sure. better, um, and it's not played off as much as, like, I'm keeping an eye on you, like, there's more of a balance in terms of what he does want, mm. um, and then also integrating him into the actual, uh, the actual proceedings, I yeah. think it was done somewhat clumsily at times. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Um... The one thing that's not accurate related that I could potentially point to, and even then I don't feel concrete on this because there's arguments to be made for it being by design, as Doc mentioned before, uh, was was Mariko, wasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Asuki's uh, new mother-in-law, basically, at the end of the show. Uh, she doesn't really do much in, like, in those... Like, she's there, and she is seen by Natsuki as an invading presence of sorts. And one could argue that maybe the point is it doesn't matter who she is, mm -hmm. it's his dad's decision, and that should be it. That's good enough for, you know, 
that's good enough for him. I mean, my family's been in a similar situation as well without going into too much detail, and it's against my dad's decision, fair But I do think perhaps maybe an argument could be made for her having more of her own, like, saying things, like how she feels about things. Like, I don't think I, unless I'm missing something, maybe I've forgotten here, I don't recall her ever mentioning, like, how she personally feels about Natsuki rejecting her. No, I think, and like, she is believably, I guess, not really wanting to step on his toes. And it feels like a very, to paint with a very broad breast, like a, a very sort of Japanese thing where she's deferring to the dad and Natsuki and their feelings and them kind of working it out. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I feel like, yeah, she just doesn't want to step on people's toes and she's just sort of uh, a quiet presence, especially in like a, a, a kind of, presence of safety in the life of uh, the little sister as well. Sakura, I think it is. Yeah. Sakura, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really not sure how to feel on it, uh, like, because I think that you could make an argument that if she had some more to, not even necessarily to do, but to say that that could enhance Natsuki's arc instead, because make no mistake, in terms of this script, like I've said before about the idea of how you create characters not necessarily to be for, the, for their own benefit, but rather to serve the narrative function of other characters, um, and I think that is certainly the case here with her. But I would argue that if she had had more to say or do, that that could have still been to Natsuki's narrative's benefit. But I'm really on. Un- I'm really unsoldless. I don't know. Like I've, this is me kind of grasping at straws for things I think the show did bad, which is always a nice thing to say if you follow mm. my meaning. But tight, that's about it. Show. Beyond the accurate stuff. So uh, I have three yeah. points, and none of them are new. I've talked about them before, and they're all very minor. Nothing, you know, like uh, like we mentioned, like hugely structural or anything like that. Or n- nothing, no, no huge writing problems that I see that are overarching. First, um, I know Ayumi-chan, the captain, is like supposed to be a dumb jock. And I love him for being a dumb jock. But like he could learn Akira's name uh, and not refer to him as Endo all the time. I'd like that better. Um and uh, I've mentioned uh, the same facity of the female characters. Um, that's a bit like mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not it's not quite to the level of um, Mitsu Adachi and like cross game and touch and stuff. But like it's pretty close if you look at <laughs> like there are Emily like I did not realize that um, uh, Misaki and Erica were different characters, and I've seen the show before. Like, I forgot that they were not different uh, characters. The, 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 yeah. the, the, the classic Control-C, Control-V And, like, if you yeah. throw Copy and paste, yeah, Copy and Sakura paste. and Mariko in there, there's a lot of, you know, very pretty, dark-haired Japanese women with the really very much the same face, just different hairstyles. Um, so you could, you know, improve in, in that aspect, I think. And then... The last one, uh, pretty similar to what we've been saying about uh, about Yamada, I think. Like, I think Coco could like have been done in a different way. Like, I think I would have liked to see more of her. Um, you know, especially like the whole kind of ending. Like, I mean, she had. Don't get me wrong; she had really good moments. I'm not saying that she did not have anything to do or a point or like didn't kind of get to shine at certain mm-hmm. times. But like, I think more could have been good also for for her um although like her kind of like when she's holding hands or reaching to hold hands and then holding hands with haru before they 
dive off to their kind of failed first attempt at leading away uh, their 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 comrade. Um, that was a really beautiful like moment between siblings. Uh, and then, but then she just has to go away for like three episodes, and it sucks. Uh, but you know, look, uh, we're grasping, like Shadon said, we're really picking nets, I think, because. Uh, this is largely a, a pretty excellent piece of work. This show, yeah, and it, I think I think I could safely speak for all of us here that to answer um, Kate's particular question, there, whatever complaints we do have, uh, they are very very minor. Like, and I and I think as you rightly pointed out, Emily, like the problem is is that like when you make a criticism, oftentimes it might behoove you to say, is there a way in which I could envision or we could envision it being done differently? Um, and the answer from my personal perspective is, I ain't got a damn clue. I could not tell you in any way, shape, or form. Like, I could say, like, I'd like this thing, and then someone just goes, oh yeah, okay, Shaz, what, how would you do it? And I'd go... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> just something to play out there. Alright, uh, next question from Kate. Uh, if there could be an addition to this show... What would you want to add in and in what format? For example, a movie, season two, OVA, or even a manga or a game? And I've got an immediate answer for this. Uh, Natsuki Prince of Fishing is a JRPG, but all your random fights are fishing encounters. Done. Next question. No, I'm kidding. Of course. Over uh, to you, Sim. Haru getting his own first-person shooter. Pretty pretty good. <laughs> I knew it. With the water gun. Um, yeah. yeah. Can we can we have Haru doing his own version of Doom Eternal? Yeah, the, I, the way I anticipate the glory kills greatly, um, or I guess glory waterings, glory the glory nurturings uh, of people, <laughs> um, the the most wholesome yeah. first person. The horror <laughs> thing could be kind of fun, but it's I don't know. Like it's kind of a complete story, so I don't. I mean, as much as like. God, I love these people. I want to see more of them. Um, it's it's hard. Well, just like, you know, this is like the previous question, right? Where it's like, it's really hard to think how you could do this differently. It's it's hard to like imagine like what the next chapter for them would be. Um, and, and they've all kind of, uh, not all, but many of them kind of gone off in their own directions. So, yeah, well, yeah, to, to follow the, your point that sorry go on, go on Emily oh no I was just gonna say I think the only natural like extension of this would be if you wanted to follow like it, within an anime context if you wanted to follow like Udata at school which mm-hmm. like sounds like it might be hilarious but also like again this is such this is such a tight show and additionally um as much as I love uh I know I keep bringing up Gotcha My Crowds. I'm so sorry. You're good. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's fine. I'm never going to be invited back. Um, I, th- ah, I, think, I love you back. I think the big thing there is that when I first found out that Insight was coming out, I was like, I don't know. Like, Gotcha My Crowds is a pretty complete hmm. thing. And it turned out that Insight is actually the thing that saves the first part in retrospect with what happened literally on social media and the internet in real life. Um, because hmm. that is what the show is commenting on. In a huge way, uh, and and people even say that it predicted the results of the 2016 election. You can argue that, like, till the cows come home in the U.S. Um, but but it has a lot of very important things to say about the internet, and social media, and the way people use it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it course corrects a lot of the assumptions that the first part of the show makes 
because of it has the fatal flaw of believing the best in other people. Um, and, and, uh, and, and Tsuritama, um, doesn't have that. And I don't think that Nakamura, again, is someone who makes something without having a very specific thing to say. Whether he succeeds in saying it is something you can argue. But in terms of adding to Tsuritama, I, uh, if, if, he had something to further to comment on, I think it would have happened already, if that Yeah, to, to, to follow both your points there, um, my serious answer would be nothing. Uh, because I think, it, I've said this before about many different kinds of shows where they have that kind of endless ending, and indeed ended in such a way, like, I mean, again, we'll get to the ending, we'll get to it, I promise we'll get there. <laughs> but like, every character is mo- has moved on to a new place in their life, and you can envision where they might go next, but I think that the beauty of it is that it's never made concrete. Like, we get, for example, that Natsuki does indeed become, like, the pro-fishing prince guy that he is uh, promised he would be, but we don't then, of course, get the follow-up of him, like, actually winning. We get to imagine that. We get the joy of, like, experiencing that in our own headcanon. Right. Um, and, of course, what happens Akira enjoying himself? Like, you know, what happens next with Harry? Well, we get concrete with that, of course. And then you mentioned about, like, Urara, like, you know, being in school... We could envision all that, but like being left to like imagine for ourselves what comes next, I think is part of the fun of some of these shows and part of what makes their endings really, really work, as opposed to just going on in perpetuity. Like, you know, they, for lack of a better phrase, I, they all walk off into the sunset. And that's what, and do you really want to see what's on the other side of the hill when you get an ending like that? I don't think you'd be happy with it. I think you'd also be disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just say in the end that uh, the answer to that question is, I don't want any more Suritama. <laughs> it's that good. Which <laughs> is stupid when you say it out loud that. It was just, just, this was so good. I ne- <laughs> this was so good. Exactly. I never wished to have any more of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> don't make more. How do you? I think uh, something I actually would, uh, would suit this, I think, and you brought this to my mind, Emily, when you, when you talked about uh, Urara in school, like, I could see this having kind of a visual novel kind of fan game, like, sequel thing that you didn't have to take as canon. Um, and you just kind of yeah. get to see... Someone needs to write that fan fiction. Yeah. Make a doujin game. And, like, yeah, I mean, that could be super fun and fulfilling. Like, just getting to, getting to know them and then, like, getting to kind of spend some time with the other characters like that could be really fun like stuff like that i think is valuable for a lot of fan like who just you know really want to keep hanging out with their people and yeah it's, it, that stuff is really fun but like i said you won't have to take it as this is absolutely canon and part of the the suritama verse or whatever <laughs> <laughs> oh god um and the final question from Kate is, what do you think the main point of the show was? Uh, did the show clearly convey that to the audience all the way through? The and this is actually a great question. I'll tell you why. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, which is, Kate ends with, did it convey it through to the end? And indeed, it did, because there is an amazing... This is now probably as good a time as I for us to start talking about the ending. So I'm going to just go straight into and talk about the thing that I loved, uh, arguably as one of the best moments of the ending, which is JFX... I like I was expecting in my brain, like I had this all mapped out. I was like, 
Right, okay, I see what we've been doing so far. We've had no hints really of what JFX looks like, and I think that's great because anxiety is a formless <laughs> presence in our brain. You know, it has no true form. It preys on your fears from a moment-to-moment, context-to-context basis. So they will fish it out. We will hard cut to six months later, and then everything's rosy. Haru and uh, Coco have left. JFX is somewhere... I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't matter. We don't need to see what it looks like. But then, we do get to see what JFX looks like. And do you want to know how big JFX is? Do you want to know how big? This great big, like, white whale Moby Dick Leviathan that everyone's been building up to. Yeah, thank you, Doc. Basically, big enough to fit in your hand. That's how big JFX is. And Oh, God, so It's really good. funny. I mean, I mean, okay, let me, let me break this moment down bit by bit, because there's so much to like. First off, I mean, we've discussed this before on the podcast, and you and I have talked about it separately, that, like, the fishing thing, like, you know, the attention to detail that we get about, like, you know, how fishing works. Like, here's what you do with the actual, like, tuna, here's what you do with uh, sea bass kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who fished a lot for a while, like, incredibly. Someone who loves fishing worked on this show. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that that detail's in there because it, for one, is authentic to the uh, sport, as you say, but then we've had all this build-up of, like, how difficult it is to fish out a giant fish like a bat, a sea bass or a tuna, for example. And so when you see this, like, thing, like, that's almost like a mythological creature that they're having to fish out. The dragon. ridiculous <laughs> thing. And... Your your mind will immediately think like, okay, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. It's gonna like be flopping over one side. It's gonna size will kill a whale. But no, you could put it in an aquarium. Put an aquarium in your home. Feed it little fish flakes. That's how tiny this thing is. And I love that that all that build up of the sea bass and stuff makes you think that. And then you realize no, it's just it's just this thing. It is also as you both rightly point out, hilarious. Yeah. That, that's it. That's right. it. It's just like this big. I'm gonna piggyback off of that and just launch into how much I love this ending and the conclusion and how well it was set up. Because in the first episode, we get the Enoshima dance, right? You see it. Mm. Uh, it's one of the first things that Hadi sees. Actually, he goes up to the like, uh, like uh, as for as visual foreshadowing, he has Coco as a beta fish on his head. So you're already foreshadowing what Udata is gonna look like when they fish him out because he's a beta fish that's what these aliens end up being when they're Man, in their like i forgot fish. about that the thing on the head yeah, yeah. And so you have him walking up with coco on his head in, yeah. a, in a little you're little right yeah. oh my god and he walks up the steps and he goes and he sees the that that town elder with like the weird square hair and the sunglasses yeah. and he's there and they're doing the the, like hi no hi no hi no like the the dance at they're doing like calisthenics outside basically mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it that is like one of the opening scenes of episode one it's like it's yuki and kate packing up and going to a new town and it's his whole arc of you know having to get yanked out of the visual like drowning that is his anxiety um and Hadu going up to him and being like you need to fish for me no reasons why you just gotta do it mm-hmm. Um, and I believe in that first episode, they also introduced the idea of the myth, the Enoshima myth. It's either in, in the first mm-hmm. or second episode. It's in the first few episodes. So, like, you have all of that set up. And then in this, in this final episode, when you have Hadu being like, I'm sorry, guys, like, I can't hold out. And, and Yuki's just like, no, wait, like, I've got this. Like, like, the missing piece, Hadu, is that there were two goddesses so what was the other one doing 
And uh, when it turns out that Hadu has to be the lure, it's, it's just like amazing. Like it's just mm. like so amazing. And everything they've set up, like uh, all of the the casting basics they went through to the deep sea fishing that he learned while he was on that boat to using Ayumi's boat to Akira being the only one who can drive it. Um, yeah. To even like, I wrote this down cause I just watched this again, but like at the point where um he, it looks like like him and Hadu are working in tandem and it looks like, like they get up over the first boat, but then the, the like antenna part of the duck boat swings out. And so it looks like Hadi's going to hit it. And Natsuki is just like, oh God, like this isn't going to work. Uh, and Yuki like jerks his rod to the yeah. side. And there's a moment that they actually take a moment where Natsuki like just looks at him and he's just like, Sugoi. Like, you're so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Fucking yes. That's right. Like, like, no, um, the student has become the teacher. Yeah, this show never forgets what it's about in those, like, tiny mm-hmm. moments with their interpersonal yeah. relationships. The fact that they take time in, like, the end of the world to just be like, oh, it's good. Like, it looks so good. I know, um, it's, it's so good. That that shot, by the way, was it. That cast was the cast of legend. Like, oh, there's a, there's a giant military boat coming away. Yeah. Don't care about that. Game around that. Uh, um, and the, the fin- uh, oh, no, I was just going to say, the fact that it has to be the bracelet, uh, the fact mm-hmm. that... The, yeah. the music, like the whole, that like main yeah. uh, motif, the main musical motif, like you know when that kicks Man. in, um, that mm. they're going to succeed, yeah. but then it becomes really discordant with clashing with the the Enoshima chant. Um, it's just like insanely good. Like everything about that is just insanely good. And then the punchline yeah. is that they fish out the alien and it's just a beta fish exactly like coco was in the beginning of the just thing. tiny the, the final thing i want to mention about that though which to me is it's absolutely genius because it's so true to life and how we deal with anxiety like I, i've mentioned before like this show uses the whole buffalo when it comes to the ocean uh fishing and all that as metaphors for anxiety like the ocean's a big scary place it's unknown both in terms of distance and in depth it's dark and spooky you don't know what's in there <clears throat> the idea of like re you know using fishing as a means of controlling your anxiety so the true genius thing though is that one of the and I've, I've i've read studies about this but i don't actually have them to hand unfortunately but i know this i know with absolute certainty this to be true is that when people catastrophize about things going wrong they are more often than not like in the vast majority incorrect about their assertion like if you for example believe like with absolute certainty that you will go outside and you'll be struck by lightning uh Odds are pretty solid that won't happen. And then if we get something more mundane and tangible, like if you believe, for example, that you're going to be robbed uh, in the street with absolute certainty, probably not going to happen. The odds are that it's unlikely. Uh, so yeah, generally when we catastrophize, we massively overestimate the chances of something terrible happening. Um, and that's in anxiety. Like, you know, that means that, hey, I'm worried, for example, oh, this person will never speak to me again. I've really offended them. No. I mean, I had that this week. I thought I'd really screwed something up at work and it almost kept me awake yesterday. And it turned out, lo and behold, not to be true. Today, smooth as butter. Everything works out just fine, which is, hey, personal, I'll take that. But this is why I love the fact that this fish is tiny because this is the thing that you've seen, like, swelling the seas, the taking over all these boats. The giant that, like, pierces yeah. the clouds, yeah. 
Yes, it's it's enormous, it's imposing, and in the end, it's nothing. It's something you hold in your hand. It's such a wonderful capstone to all of this uh, metaphor for anxiety that the entire show has woven together that it just goes to again show that in the end it really wasn't anything too much to be worried about. It still needs to be dealt with. It doesn't say that you had to, you could just ignore it, it goes away. And but arguably the, end, the whole lesson is that ignoring it makes it worse. True. Quite right. We're just, just going to let him do what he wants. It's fine, it's fine. But yeah, I, I thought that, that that's why I, in the end like I thought, okay, I, I thought JFX was just going to be, you know, something we'll never see. But then they went one better and they showed who JFX was and they showed that, yeah, like so much that we are anxious about, it truly is nothing to be frightened about. Not in the end, really. Not once it's been dealt with. It's not, it's not so bad. And for... Um, Oh no, finished, sorry. I, I was going to say, which I'll, I'll follow up when we get to talking about the post-credits, but yes, go, please go on, Emily. Oh no, I was just going to say, so for me, I realized in my entire thing about how much I love the ending, I didn't actually talk about what I think the show is about. Um, and and for me, um, there's the whole like metaphor for anxiety that I think is really bookended well, as you said. Um, for me personally, it it is still, uh, I th- and I think just because I see this narrative motif in every single one of his works, um, I think there's a lot to be said about making assumptions based on what someone looks like, uh, mm-hmm. or, or like, you know, who, who you like think they are. Um, and then the end result and how you deal with your initial reaction and how you deal with communicating with, with that person. Um, and I think that is, uh, I think that is dealt with really, really well through all of the visual and, uh, like oral bookending that the show does uh so yeah i just wanted to add that on because i realized i never said what i actually thought the show was about or why it was successful i just ranted <laughs> about how awesome the ending was yeah i know it and we still not touched on it either but um, rantable D- doc do you have anything else to add to kate's question so what do i think the show is about mm. do you think do you think it was conveyed as well all the way through to the end uh well i definitely do i mean you know, like I said earlier, I think the show, despite expanding in scope, like retains uh, kind of what it has been about, even when it was a uh, more intimate story. Um, and it just integrates all these kind of different things together so well that y'all have talked about already. I guess. Hmm. I. I maybe maybe this will kind of answer the question in a in a roundabout way but the very final scene you just said there was a post credit scene i don't know if i watched that i'm getting kind of scared because i think i might have forgot to watch i'm the I'm, I'm, I'm when i when i, I say post credits what i probably mean is the epilogue mm. really in general to be quite okay. honest well like the scene in which there are transfer students uh, coming into the school, and one of them is Ura Ura, mm-hmm. who like is just basically. I mean, you get to, he's just shy out of his mind. Uh, they are, and and they're uh, they seem pretty insecure, and they're just walking around saying fidget, 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 you know, with the, the fingers together in a very cute <laughs> sort of way. And are you still referring to our, uh, our episode one? Well, exactly. This is what I mean. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm. Uh, mm-hmm. You you cutting me off, Shadon? 
Um, but what I was going to say... <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not a 1920s mob boss here. You cut me yeah, off. You cut me off. What are you thinking? Um, so, like... So, yeah, um, Yuki... Yuki sees this, this person who is kind of alone, seems nervous, a bit isolated. And, you know, like you were saying, like, that's where he was before and because like people reached out to him haru really uh reached out to him and like gave him this incredible gift of like really healthy like male friendship he then gives that gift or we see him start to right with Ura and it's like there's nothing uh, preventing any one of us from like doing that, <laughs> and that's that's so yeah. just I don't know like how much better would the world be right if we were we just kind of adopted this and it's difficult right yeah. because um and and the show I think is not saying it's easy because we see everything Yuki has to go through to come to the place in which he's capable to reach out to someone else that he doesn't know and invite them into his life. But uh, it's just yeah. kind of uh, amazing, and like how how important that could be for someone. I mean, like it changed the course of Yuki's life. Uh, that yeah. that Haru said, "Hey, we're fishing, buddy." Squirt, squirt, and then like everything. It just mm-hmm. he met so many amazing people. He grew so much, and like I don't know, like yeah, just that just friendship and how important it can be and how like just reaching out to other people who seem like new or shy or they don't have that like just how um uh how like you know lofty and important it could be but also how fun it it, it could be really fun Mm -hmm. and like it could just lead to these like awesome like super cool memories that you have uh, you can you can learn how to fish. Like us all meet you know, each other on could, the podcast. Yes, like, exactly. For this this very exactly. podcast. That yeah, is uh, exhibit A. Right? One, thi- one thing I'll add to your point there, Dodoc, is that I think it's also kind of great that it's Urarad specifically who comes back because, you know, he is the um, he's the overall threat, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's quote so. I don't think he's like evil. Again, evil's terrible terms to use, but you know what I mean. Basically, I don't think no. he's outright malicious. I think he's just child more than anything like the rest of my but point being um him coming back into yuki's life as the transfer student beyond everything that you've just said there which is all entirely accurate i love that in some way like this idea of yuki inviting the existential threat back into his life because in very uraru could sorry i'll still do the same thing like, mm-hmm. he invites a little bit of anxiety into his life because the show again goes to show us that getting rid of anxiety entirely, getting rid of uncertainty, is not a good thing. It's not good when Duck does it through outright bureaucracy. It's not good when JFX does it by just making everyone not have to think at all and living thoughtless, happy, calm lives. Yeah. You know, ha- living with our anxiety and our uncertainty allows us to do what the show presents to us as be the have the best moments of our life like the sum of uh mm-hmm. working thing you know like yuki getting his very first job massive leap but he has memories that he can take forward from that mm-hmm. now you know he has lifelong friendships and that's 
because of the fact that uncertainty and anxiety existed, that he was able to do that. And so even at the very end, it brings that point back to roost and says, you know, your anxiety can be a problem, if, but you can manage it, but you also can benefit greatly from it by allowing your anxiety, like uncertainty to come in and then allow you to a child. Like, you know, oh my God, this gentleman wants me to start podcasting. Like, what the heck? Like, this is this is a big deal. Um, I, am I ready for this? And I was like, I'll give it a try. And look yeah. at where I am now. It's crazy. Crazy, it's fun, though. I just thought about, like, while you were talking, the summer on the boat... Yuki has to learn to crawl and walk on the fucking boat. And that's just another, like, encapsulation of kind of the growing he's doing, you know, in his uh, yeah. in his heart and mind and emotionally. God, this show! Yeah, you know. And also, uh, boats actually do go, like, they're designed to pitch, <laughs> depending on what kind of boat you are. Just, again, as someone who's, like, actually super into fishing hmm. and, like, learned how to sail and shit, like... It's a very good yeah. visual representation of like literally being off kilter because there will be a boat yeah. that'll be like this, and it's by design hmm. supposed to be like this where the water is here. Right. And mm-hmm. you're not gonna like the boat is not gonna capsize, but definitely feels like it's going to, and you have to learn how to like <laughs> deal with that. Got wow. Used yeah. To. Um. But yeah, but yeah, like I, I on top of all that though, Doc, what you said, I think also it's important to know like a when we say about bringing the point home and getting across the show never makes it look like anything's easy and i think this mm-hmm. relates to something you said before about how like in such a short amount of time yuki becomes better even though he's clear i mean again anxiety is something that you right. manage obviously it's not mm-hmm. something you just get rid of you mitigate it you etc etc uh but i think that with everything like when we mentioned before about how he's casting the uh hook into the bo- into the bucket and then all the stuff that he learns in the summer vacation, like the show, um, even if it is having to compress time a little bit, never compresses the actual effort that is required mm. uh, for for learning. But for, even just from in terms of like how to learn how to fish or how to you know do the boat, and then also of course how to overcome, um, manage, and control your anxiety, it never presents it as easy, which is definitely to its benefit. Yeah, that's huge. That's because that could like. That could really sour the show. I mean, if they got that wrong. Yeah. It's it's a linchpin mm-hmm. of making it work and it does it really, really well. Right. Um that brings us to two the hours end of later. Our <laughs> question. So thank yeah, two hours later, but it's it's been good. It's been good. So thank you very much to everyone mm-hmm. who's chips in there. Um thank you for all of your contributions. I also want to give a very special shout out to the mm-hmm. person that this particular stream of uh, podcasts on Sorry Sam is dedicated to. I want to give a shout out to Mirror on the Wall, who I know is in chat today. These uh, podcasts are for you. Um, I won't go into any much more detail now than to say that we're thinking of you. I hope you've enjoyed these. I hope you've got some smiles and some thoughts out of them. Uh, so thank you very much, Mirror. Um, kudos to you. Okay. Um, I think we'll wrap up and get some uh, other talking points out of the way because I do have some other stuff that I want to say uh, that I've kind of danced around a little bit. Uh, so I'll go first. I want to mention the horror stuff. Uh, episode nine, like, I think you, I think all of us here present can agree that this show is very colourful, it's very vibrant, it's very chill. Uh, you know, I would uh, love to, you know, visit someplace like Enoshima, for example. Like, you know, every time I see shows or like films like this, like that have locations, I like these i just think so like i really want to go there um, anime knows you that. always feel a sense of being <laughs> it markets the tour yeah, yeah. It, by design. 
Yeah. Damn it! I've been I've been baited. Hey, They're gonna yeah, reel me yeah. in. Good. Hey, sorry, sorry. I had to I had to say that. Um, but without changing, this is I think part of why the horror works so well because there's no change in like the colors of the show or anything like that. Really, beyond of course just oh, there's a storm. It's great, but that's fine. It's not like you know. Otherwise, the show starts suddenly changing to different art style. But like on episode nine onwards, when you start to get the full idea of what JFX is doing. Um, all of a sudden, that like vibrant environment actually sort of work, works against, in a sense, like it accentuates the horror. Like you know, this is how quickly on a dime uh, this these otherwise really lovely places can suddenly like things hor- horrific things can happen to them. Um, it's very dissonant in a kind of way. Follow me. Um, and then I love that they had that scene with uh, Natsuki's father, where the duck agents are explaining all the various ways that you cannot use water because they just any touch of water. Like you, you know, you'll get possessed. We saw Don't like the, use the, uh, the start of the episode. So, yeah, yeah. I, and and I have to say, like when I watched that episode, uh, I was on my lunch break at work, and I just as I was walking back to my office desk upstairs, I was like, I've got my bathroom. There's my there's my sink. There's my toilet. There's my shower. I can't drink water from the tap. I can't wash my clothes. I can't like you know, all the fit like it's just something that you take for granted. And again, I think that's also part of why the horror element really works when you think about it, because it's just like, this is something that no one ever thinks about, really, for the most part. And then all of a sudden, on a dime, oh no, I can't use this anymore. Otherwise, ho- horrible stuff happens. It's it's petrifying. And and then also, like, beyond just the silliness of outfits, so like Duck being the faceless government that come in and ru- like rule the town, we've got outright like people like either being told to flee by Haru, uh, you know, it's all very like you know uh, tame I suppose you could call it because obviously he's not using a real gun or anything like that but the visual that like similarities what this otherwise could have been are there if you and it's just it's shockingly effective and also organically brought about in a way that I didn't feel giant like you'd think that everything I'm describing to you like where oh this show about like you know some kids like working out their issues together through the power of fishing uh, can also do these things uh, but it does and it never to once felt to be like this is weird this is weird and strange I don't get it no it, I've the horror elements like again work mm-hmm. really well and they never felt out of place which I think is a, a spectacular achievement for this show because it could have been so easy to just maybe go what? This ain't the show I wanted to watch, uh, but it never stopped being the show I wanted to watch, despite that. Anime horror, I mean, secretly good. <laughs> like, well, I think, uh, I think it does. A, again, I, I already said this before, but like, I think it does a really good job of splitting the difference because if you make it too horrifying, then it becomes a lot less fun to watch, and the triumphant ending doesn't work as well. But if you make it too like cheery, it's like okay, well, what are we? Why are we even here? Um, but why have so, the alien invasion? Yeah, all so of I the think it does a good job, it. and I also think it's pretty important to look back at uh, the fact that coming from uh, Ayakashi and Mononoke, which are like more. I don't know how you just have either of you seen Mononoke. Oh yeah, like, I I love it's like, Mononoke. It's like episode. I guess it's episodic, like ghost busting <laughs> kind of um, yeah. but like with with these with these kind of uh self-contained mm-hmm. little mini narratives um and it still has a lot of the aspects of 
things that he talks about here, which is like making assumptions based on what something looks like or or its initial actions, difficult difficulty communicating with it. Um, and so I think the horror, the balance of horror and the fact that also typically most Japanese horror tends to be a lot more um, based in like either atmospheristic kind of things mm -hmm. or just more firmly based in like a juxtaposition with reality where something feels mm -hmm. really off. Um, yeah. I think he takes a lot of those elements, those core like horror elements, and then transports them into a really colorful show and somehow manages to make it to, to split the difference so that the uh, the funny parts don't seem fake. They, they are actually like incredibly charming. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. a horrifying loss of agency does end up being like, oh, oh shit, like this is this is serious and real and and very scary despite the fact that all you're doing is is dancing in the street um uh so i think that is you know uh, another reason why this show is the like, david bowie so, uh, yeah just so oh, just so oh, insanely oh, yeah. successful uh yeah here, here's duck's uh armored personnel carriers which are in the duck decor <laughs> but look pretty damn realistic and it still just gets me i'm like I'm just like this is this is bizarre. This is like watching like a video game play out, but in real, what is otherwise the show's real life, where you know you put your custom decal on your car or whatever, and yeah, it's just it's so strange to see it like that, but it works for it. it yeah, really does I recommend um, Mononoke really highly? Like worth seeing, it's really worth good. owning. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful show. Like I think it's like a harsher show. I mean, the first like there's a lot of two part stories, and like the first two parter is about like miscarriage and that's like i i can't yeah. like i kind of can't go there again um personally like it's 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 rough and a lot of the, the things that they like the characters like some some shit happens to them but it's like in keeping with the aesthetic because like it just sort of everything sort of seems like a fable and fables tend to be pretty like old fairy tales not the sanitizers they seem to be kind of harsh um like that so it i don't know it's just pretty cohesive kind of thing um but that's uh, uh, you know that is really interesting that you point out the similarities because they totally are there with this element of study time we're talking about but it's just so it's like not teased out but but like you could see like oh yeah the mononoke guy he made this <laughs> he worked yeah on it. yeah i think i think you can you can definitely first of all, just visually draw, even though the shows look completely different, right? Like, Mononoke reminds me a bit of, um, oh my god, uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, yeah. It uses, like, patterns right. and stuff. Yeah, but it's not uh, as garish but, as that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's not. There's not as many discordant patterns, like, you're, you're matching up. Um, but it's and I love Genkutsu, but it's... Hard yeah, to look at. That's what the Japanese <laughs> uh -huh. game is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think like it takes that kind of like paper cut aspect as well mm -hmm. visually and and transports it into a show so you can see the the narrative and visual through line of this is someone who's very comfortable dealing with horror in a way that is very down to earth and very relatable, but then also the way that Tama is set up, it is like 
a fable, you know, it is bookended mm. very well. It is uh, a fish story, one might say. Ultimately, <laughs> in service, yes, yeah, like actually, mm-hmm. yeah. a fish story. Uh, um, also, yeah. another thing I want to point out that Shadon is talking about regarding color scheme is that it's another really cool thing that the show does, just based on the way it designs uh, everything in like color blocks. Is that for yes. the almost the entirety of the fishing scene, the the final like fishing scene, everything is really muted yeah. and it's muted in a way that basically if you had this in a in a program set up, you would just set the actual tone of the show darker, right? Like it's not like the yeah. the colors aren't saturated darker. It's like everything has like a gray filter over it. And when Ooh. the bait ball goes up through the sky That's and so then like yeah. crashes back down it cuts to every single one of the characters and it the all the show does is as the fish are just like falling around <laughs> them it slowly turns up the color yeah. saturation on every single one as they're realizing that they did it and it's just so good like it's yeah like this is someone who really knows like color theory and and how to to visually uh, uh, represent things, which we've talked about for the entirety of the show. But again, like I love when you can draw through lines from previous works to like throughout uh, directors, like uh, every single work that they've yeah. done. And I think you can do that with Tama really, really easily. And then I think you can also draw another line from Tama further to Gatchaman Crowds, which is another show that's like, incredibly colorful for an express mm-hmm. purpose oh and back to trapeze even yeah. though it's rotoscoped it's like there's so much color yeah. <laughs> oh but yeah that 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 shows a cornucopia right there kaleidoscope even um okay do either of you have any other talking points you want to bring up gosh we've said a lot um yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know like i it's sort of counter to some of the things I've been saying. Like, there's a scene here in episode 10 uh, that is great. Like, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, this is not a show where you're meant to, like, think about, like, the scientific details of everything. Like, you kind of will will not get the most <laughs> out of it if you do that. Um, like, the Haru kind of uh you know breathing through like like he waters himself with his own tears like if you think of and you're like wait a minute now what's going on here with this fish alien able to breathe the tears and like what's happening here with the ontology the tape but fuck all that like it's just (laughs) really like poignant like touching awesome scene where you get to see the sweetest boy like cry and then that like that good cry like fuels him and rejuvenates him and he's able to do his dance yeah and help everyone it's also just so important for his character too because like you said when you were talking about how to uh his whole narrative and the way he like deals with people he has this very like false like uh uh 
I'm going to be happy all the time. Like I'm going to be the mood maker of the group, right? right? Like the, I'm going to be the one that everyone looks at me and I'll be your like cheery yep. person because that's my, yeah. that's my role. And that's how He's I interact. Res- with he feels responsible for that. Right. Are, yeah. Yeah. If people yeah. are sad, like that's not right. And I can do something about that by making you do a dance or, or making, you know, being really stupid and like, pretending to throw a fishing line across the classroom and like reeling you in. Uh, and, and I think he doesn't, he starts off at the beginning, not understanding two things. One being that forcing people to be happy all the time mm-hmm. is not right and takes away their agency. Uh, and, and two, that feeling things other than outward happiness is not a bad thing. And that he does feel things other, other than happy. And he doesn't have to be the mood maker of the group the entire time. Um, yeah it's exhausting and in that moment he he learns that right like he learns that uh feeling something other than this kind of forced i'm smiling all the time i'm super happy i'm gonna cheer you up i'm gonna cheer you up uh he draws strength from that that it's it's a very beautiful moment and it's maybe this is very much a me thing here but like he's sort of like you could assume going into it going to the show getting a cursory glance at all the characters like he's like the simplest one and you know he's the most childlike so his lessons to will be the most elementary <laughs> they're like the hardest man that shit is hard to yeah. to you know not wanna like to i don't know like uh, how do i say like i mean to like fully trust people yes but also to like not to feel like you're responsible for other people's happiness. The shit is hard. It, feel, it feels like a <laughs> reflex. I would, yeah, I would say it feels almost like a yeah. reflex sometimes, like where you feel compelled to act. Yeah. One other thing I'll add in just to complement what you've been saying there is you were talked before, Emily, about the idea of toxic masculinity. And I think there's something inherently wraps up in that term where you think to yourself that it's only people who are not like Harry, like, you know, like proper manly men, like I'd be like, but I think that it's also good to show that talks like big through him, like that, that affects everyone. Right. You know, it, it happens to everyone. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, how you present yourself, what your personality is like, we can all fall prey to those same kind of things. Um, yeah, it is a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal amongst many <laughs> phenomenal moments. Basically it's, this show is just, just stellar. It's just stellar. Um, do we have anything else we want to bring up? Hmm. See. I've got nothing else I want to add at the moment. Yamada fucking owns. Let's see. Did we talk about that? Yeah, well. I just have the, in my notes, I have the, like, Natsuki being impressed followed by, like, several exclamation points. It's the best. Like, I I don't know. Now that I'm rethinking it, because I said I'd, like, set aside the ending, that, that moment where he just takes the time to look in awe of Yuki at how confident he's become is just insanely good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. There's so many There's so many great small moments too. Um like when when Yuki like goes to sleep, but not really, you know, at the end where he's doing his big thinking. Um and Haru, like, you know, stands up for him. Like, hey, something important's going on here. Mm-hmm. He's not slacking. He's not sleeping. It's like, it's just cool that, like, I don't know, 
other people have to adapt to Yuki too. Like he's not the one who like always has to like, you know, change who he is completely a hundred percent all the time. Like he like in his anxieties and quirks and kind of the different way he copes and goes through life. Like other people can learn to like live with that too and incorporate that. Like it's man, everything is so good. And like just man, I just teared up in the final scene when, yeah, the, the, when, when Yuki is like, you know, uh, Hey, be my friend. Like he's just, the boys come so far. Like he's come so far and so, and he's putting himself I, out there. I dare Man. anyone who watches the show to not cry through like half of the final. I was, I was, yeah. Oh god, I was. I just rewatched it before this, and I was like crying. I was like, oh, I hope we don't cry on the show. Oh, trying to keep god. it together. Try, yeah. trying to, trying to. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I think we've all said a ton on the show um so we'll move okay. on to wrapping up now um so what we normally do we'll uh, obviously rate this batch of episodes but i think we'll just skip straight to racing the entire show because <laughs> why the heck not uh so i'm gonna pass this over to emily uh, first so emily out of five I, I, how i didn't think of a good one for <laughs> do you shadan do you want to go first do you want a fish pun do you want a fish pun there's always good fish no, puns. that's what i was trying uh, to think i'm like oh i need to come up with something <laughs> appropriately fishy oh um well for me like i i look back on the show and i think like when i was first introduced to it i was told by many people that it was really really good and i obviously don't immediately disbelieve people who tell me that like the people you know i i am blessed with many many good friends amongst anime circles whose opinions i respect but i always just think to myself like is it just because i'm too cynical that maybe it won't live up to the hype uh, no, in this case, it absolutely did. This show is a phenomenal piece of work. It is one of those shows that I reckon if I were so inclined, if I ever were in the position to do so, I would use to teach people. This is how you write a 12-episode show. Because as Emily and as Doc and I have said, it is tightly written. It is masterfully crafted. It uses every single element of its world building, of its fiction, um... Even the fishing thing is not simply just there because it's a passion of the author, but also serves to reinforce and mesh with how we deal with anxiety it's metaphor for it you know the idea of reeling it in you know holding the line in place all this sort of stuff i've discussed before the characters are great the comedy is spot on it's a visually striking show there's so much to like about it. it's unique uh i can't say enough good things about it it's probably one of the best things i've seen all year unequivocally uh very few things i've seen this year are better in it and that's only because they are exquisite shows in their own right like the only <laughs> things i can think of like for example are utena and that's utena so yeah what what's going to say to that um so with all that said <clears throat> i am in the end going to give this uh show in its entirety i can't do a fish pond I've, I've already used my soul survivor one and i think if i use any more i'm going to be arrested by people in like you know squeaky uh, right. astronaut suits <laughs> Pun, pun police, you know, they're just going to turn up and just like take me away. Uh, but in the end, I am going to give, uh, I'm going to give Suritama the full fat five out of five. And I've just completely forgotten my <laughs> pun for it. Doesn't matter, don't care. Five out of five. I, I, I'm, I'm bad at this. Uh, five out of five uh, white bait there curries. There you go. Oh, I can go for some white bait curry. 
There's like a place near here that does really good whitefish salad. Oh, and I'm um, nice. Seafood. Because <laughs> I miss, I, I know, I miss a lot of things from back east, and one of them is like good bagel food. And mm. there's, mm. I actually found a bagel place. Anyway, totally unrelated. Uh, I'm also going to give this a five on five. I could not think of an appropriate pun. Um, I just think it is like as much as I, so again, I, I started off this podcast by saying that I just love Nakamura and everything he has to say and even see, uh, which I, you know, didn't like and is pretty thoroughly mediocre is something that's interesting to watch in like the context of him evolving as director. Mm. Um, this is the show that I would like hands down recommend to people over his other shows, uh, because of that idea that it hits on both levels uh it hits on like a macro level uh and it hits on a micro level where it really really makes you care about the characters 100%. and as much as for me personally i will always like gotcha my crowds more um i also wouldn't recommend it because it has a lot of really obvious flaws despite the the fact that of mm. what it's commenting on and, and all this other stuff so um, that's one thing that I would point out is that this is very, a very easy entry mm-hmm. point into everything that this director has done. I think he's a director that more people should be looking out for. I think it's sad that he hasn't had any projects since Insight, which yeah. was 2015. And I don't know if that's by choice or whether it's just because, again, he typically hasn't done anything without something like really specific to say. Um, so maybe he just hasn't thought of exactly how he wants to say whatever he wants to say. Was next, it 15? Mm-hmm. Oh, it feels like it was so much longer. Okay. Inside, yeah. It just feels like so much longer ago than that, but that's probably a product well, of other the things. The internet has continued to evolve, <laughs> uh, past that as have other things, uh, which make, I'm, I'm really curious as to how insight holds up. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised the first few episodes of Gosh, my crowds that hold, held up better than I thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, if there's anything that I would want people to come out of, like, watching Tsubitama, it's that not only is this a good show, but that his other stuff is worth checking out, and this is something that, someone that has a lot of really interesting things to say, and also that, uh, in its simplicity, Tsubitama is not less no. because I feel like a lot of people yes. have this attitude of, like, something that's saying something really important has to be, uh you know, like, dark and, and serious and have some sort of, like, you know, tortured angst portion of it. And yeah. there are there are parts of the show that are, like, remarkably painful mm-hmm. uh, despite the, the color palette. And I don't think... I think if people are looking at just the way the show looks to tie it into one of the overarching macro narratives of the entire show, they're missing out on a lot, uh, especially with what the show has to say, so... You know, I need to, um, mm-hmm. I need to finally watch Gashman Crowds. I've never seen it. Oh God! Please watch it and then tell me how you like it, and or if you have time, Sean and I have been watching it together because I've been forcing him to watch it, so you can jump in and our watch. Okay, so like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's the only Nakamura work I haven't like seen in its entirety. I watched the first few episodes of Crowds when it was first airing. Um, but I fell off of it and then never came back to it for whatever reason, but it's on sale for a very, very nice price, uh, in Sentai's holiday sale. 
It's like ten dollars on Blu-ray for the whole thing, both seasons. Oh, that's it's a so steal. cheap. That's a steal. Pick it I'm up. Ve- like I just I picked up flip flappers for like twelve bucks, uh, and yeah. I picked up um, Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun for twelve bucks. But I'm probably gonna go back and get Gatchaman. Uh, I don't think it's gonna. I hopefully it will not be out of stock when I when I jump back in to pick it up later but i, I really want to see it um because like you i mean i'm i'm sad that you know he's kind of fallen off the the map um and i hope i hope he returns and you know wows us with something cool and yeah just to echo a lot of what you're saying like uh, this is probably like aesthetically it feels weird to say because it has such a look suritama it has it distinguishes itself visually really well, but like compared to um, most of the other stuff, it's probably his least experimental visual work. Um, so that's kind of, I think what does make it a good entry point, like you said, and then just like the softness yeah. and goodness uh, herein helps as well. Uh, so this, but, but the show, I mean, I, it's five out of five, like, you know, it is, I mean, I've said that the other <laughs> portions of the show are five out of five. I'm not going to deviate. It's five small <laughs> angel fish. No, beta fish. Small blue betas <laughs> out of five. Because um, it, uh, it just... Um, it's just incredibly well made. And I think it has things to say and ways of saying those things that I think, if they're not entirely unique to anime, like they're pretty unique... Because I don't know. I mean, I can't really think of a show that approaches kind of male intimacy and toxic masculinity and things like that as a as one of its major themes and things to deal with in quite the way that this does. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's layered in such a, a masterful way and, and things are connected, but not in a way that makes it feel artificial or too tight or like, like a toy. Yeah. You know, it feels really organic. Um it's beautiful to look at. Sounds great. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a treasure, and it's you know it's very sadly out of print. Like it's very very expensive to get a hold of now, which sucks. I I just about managed to get it on DVD. Uh, just about, uh, but it's also now no longer Crunchyroll either. Take um, like if you're not going to realize it's a show, which I mean I get it. It's an eight year old show. I mean it sucks, but you, sh- you should. But if you're not going to. Take down all the stupid links to it. When pe- when you Google that show, you get Crunchyroll links, and you're going to get excited. Like, oh, this is a show I can watch right now? Nope, it's not. The fucking link is still up on Anime News Network. Like, if you go to their encyclopedia entry, it's uh, like, watch crunch- watch on Crunchyroll now. But you can't. <laughs> so please, you know, sort that shit out. Delete your... The, yeah. oh, that's well, that's the way it is. Uh, I know, well, they have other things to worry about, uh, <laughs> right? They have... Yeah, uh, I was gonna say... Oh, it's fine. They'll just keep on making slavery apologies. Oh, my you know, God. They've been pretty good at that as of late. Listen, just sort out the back end of the database. That's not... Uh, that's a small... That's a small thing. That's a, th- a thing you could... I don't know. That would be helpful for me. Because I get... Ex- I get excited about like an Ultraman show or whatever being on there, and then it's just not anymore. It makes me sad every time. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. I think, I think basically what we're all collectively saying here is try not to suck. I know that's a 
maybe that's a bit of a tall order, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Anyway, um, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Just going to do a bit of wrap up here. Firstly, if you've enjoyed this and you want to support us financially uh, to help us create more shows like this and also get involved uh, with the creation of it by you know deciding what shows we pick and asking us questions like what you've heard on this particular podcast. Pop yourself over to patreon.com forward slash show. Three dollar tier gets you on second stream. We have two dollar tier as well and five dollar tier. All of them give you Discord access to our wonderful community. We've had some of the uh, patrons here in our chat today um, whose contributions have always been excellent. So thank you all so much for both your questions, uh, your uh, discussion, and also, of course, your money. <laughs> Just going to say. But yeah, thank you. Your thank support. you for everything. Um, this wouldn't be possible without you. <laughs> Um, if you are in turn of course listening to this on the free and still wish to support us anyway that's totally fine as well times are tough every penny or every cent wherever you may be counts uh, and if you want to therefore support us just drop us a subscribe on YouTube on I, uh, Apple Music uh, SoundCloud uh, we're not on SoundCloud Sorry, <laughs> we're not on SoundCloud well. anymore no we, we've yeah. abandoned we've abandoned it we've abandoned it I need to update my cue cards I'm sorry they're really outdated so here's me giving shits crunch all about that you know day stuff but anyway, yeah do feel free to drop us a, a subscribe you know and all that on various places uh, you can follow us on twitter at warrior death show as well um i'm gonna also just now say uh, to emily thank yes. you very much for joining us uh it's been the third time we've had you on now but there's not been a single it's time. the fourth it's not time a pleasure um uh, yeah because uh because we oh, promise neverland back for pranks yeah, well, yeah. The, there's a couple Franks. There was a Promise Neverland. No, I, and I, I, the I, 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 this is the fifth time. Oh wow! I, I, I my my memory's <laughs> shot. Like you know, those must be all the. I, for, I forgot about straight. the time I came back for Franks. Honestly, that was with James uh, yeah, too. Uh, yeah, you should you should have. Unfortunately, we just brought the memory back. Yeah, Go about that. You know, the most traffic I get to my blog is still those flower posts I did on Darling in the Boy, man. I've, well, you, you've actually given me the most amazing point for a, a segue here. So, uh, again, thank you very much for your contributions. Uh, would you be willing to plug yourself? Tell people where they can find your written work. Oh, yeah. So, um, if you want to see me talk about anime uh, or uh, at in, as of recently, a lot of stuff about a Korean pop music group called Stray Kids, uh, you can follow my Twitter at AJTheFourth if you're interested in esports. I'm an esports journalist. Uh, who is trying to discover what they're going to do next after the entire ESPN vertical shutdown. Um, you can follow me at, at League of Emily if you're interested in League of Legends whatsoever. Uh, my anime blog is uh, for me in full bloom at wordpress.com because I still am too cheap to actually buy the domain name, which actually might change because I noticed that they changed the classic F- Classic editor. Oh no! You can't use it anymore oh. without a plugin. Uh, yeah, I'm here. And uh, and now I might actually pay just so I don't have to use the new editor part, which is a lot more like a medium blog, which I don't like. Right now, I'm actually going through all of my like drafts and re-editing them just so I can continue to use <laughs> the classic editor. But you can't use the plugin with free WordPress. Anyway. That was too long. <laughs> I'm not even worth following, guys. Stop. Stop. Perish the fall. Perish the fall. Uh, but yeah, um, I would. I think I can speak for Doc on this one, Emily, that we'd very much like to have you back in the future yeah, for other uh, shows as they come up. I mean, I'm not um, doing anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll, I'm sure yeah, we'll if you something. If you um, vote Neverland, Doc, you know, for second stream, then that be a good oh, yeah. chance to get Emily back in because we know she likes to promise Neverland. 
I do love Promised Neverland. Don't, don't say never to Neverland. I'm up, I'm up for it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Doc, over to you. Uh, again, thank you very much for always uh, being a part of this. Like, you know, you're a, a, a linchpin of this show. Absolute bedrock of it. Where can people find you? Uh, at the Subtle Doctor. At the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Um, and that's it. I mean, what I, you know, I'm always checking the Watery Death Show Twitter, email, etc. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, or the YouTube comments, you know, places. Uh, but mostly, mostly at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Uh, feel free to follow and bother me about um, about uh, puro res, Japanese pro wrestling, or like dumb video games. I'm playing Ease or anime. We could talk about Nakamura and how we miss him. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as for me, you can find me at Shaden Ten Ten on Twitter. You can talk to me about anything. Screw it. Open season. Go nuts. I don't care. It's all good. You're brave. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would never uh, do that. Uh, I about Terminator Two, and. He will talk to oh, you for oh a long boy. time. Oh, boy. No. Don't. <laughs> I'll, talk to, don't. I'll talk to you about straight hits, and you'll just be like, Emily, shut the fuck up. What's this, K- what's this K-pop thing? I don't know what K-pop is. It's just, it just I, I'm clearly out of touch of all the kids these days, or whatever you call it. Yes. Uh, the straight kids. Yes. Are, oh, yes. Good. Nah. Oh, God, that's, like that's probably as good as... <laughs> Yeah, I, I please please stop is actually the most amazing segue again you've been supplying it because this is as good a time as any for um, to stop. I took my so, toes into yeah. the K-pop world, but I don't know I don't know Stray Kids yet. Um are they I'll like use some of their music. To... I mean I'm okay. a fan, but I like their songs. Very good. I, I'm really bad about knowing the names of so, artists, so perhaps I've heard some of it. Um but I'm just like if you I I I'm like, uh, BTS and, um, you know, <laughs> the fucking, uh, God, and now I can't even think of their name. Blackpink. I had to think about, wait, who's, who, who's yeah, in, I was gonna say the two, yeah, they're like, like two, I couldn't even remember the name. I had to go like, who's in my area? Oh, that's a Blackpink in your area. Yes. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a, that was yeah, great. The dad. Dad's into the the hip oh music my also. Oh amazing. How do you do, fellow right. kids? <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, Christ. All right. That'll take us to the end of the show. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, stay safe. Uh, take care. Stay healthy. Uh, if this is the last time you hear from us prior to the holiday season, um, obviously d- take whatever precautions you can. Look after yourself and your loved ones. Um, we will, of course, be back with another second stream uh, season in the new year. We're a brand new show. Um, and I very much look forward to doing that and also having you all here watching us, uh, joining us for that. Uh, but until then, as we often say on this podcast, uh, embrace your everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. <laughs>